Hello and welcome once again to another episode of the Couch Potato Podcast. On today's show, I'm joined by my special guest Cole from the Knights of Degradation Podcast and we're going to talk a little wrestling. All Elite Wrestling's Double or Nothing pay-per-view is this past Sunday night, so we're going to give you our thoughts on what happened, what we think is going to happen next in All Elite Wrestling, and our biggest winners and losers from the pay-per-view. So, after the guitar riff, the Couch Potato Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Couch Potato Podcast. My name is Russ. Uh, Lucas is still off this week. Is, uh, for the 17 people that listened to last week's episode, uh, we did tell you that Lucas had a baby. So he'll be back in a few weeks. But I have rounded up a very esteemed professional guest this week. Uh, this gentleman is uh, a podcaster as well. He is the host of the well-established and esteemed Knights of Degradation podcast. Welcome once again to the show, Cole King. Hey, thank you, man. Happy to be here. I don't know when that professional guy is going to show up, but I'm happy to, to help out until he gets I, here. I text him. still haven't heard back. He's like, fuck that two rate, that two rate show. No, well, it's good. It's good to work with you again. I know we were just talking about not not seeing you in too long and stuff. So it has been to be too long. We sure. we talk often, but it seems like face to face. It's been quite a while. So yeah, glad to, glad to have you on. And I'm very excited that uh, you and I. Most of our text conversations have to revolve around the world of professional wrestling, and especially yeah. AEW wrestling. And last night was. I don't know. Has it been established that Double or Nothing is like their WrestleMania, or is it all out? I I always thought it was Double or Nothing, but just based on how like Tony Khan speaks, I think it's all out is what they consider. I I'm I'm fairly certain just whatever the next one is is what they consider their WrestleMania. To be honest, but well, this is one of their flagship events either way. I think it would be well. Let's just say that Double or Nothing and All Out are the two big events of the year. And then, like, Full Gear and Revolution are kind of like, eh, still events. We have to put out one every quarter. But I think these are the big ones. But uh, last night was Double or Nothing, first time in Vegas since the pandemic, which was nice to see that in front of a large crowd. Um, and I don't know how you feel. I'll ask you here in a second. But uh, I felt it was a very lackluster show. Yeah, I, I think uh, – I. I, I, I guess I just start out by saying that I absolutely love AEW. I've seen every AEW show since it started. Got really into it because Chris Jericho was a part of it, and I just love it. And I love everything they do, but this is, was absolutely their worst pay-per-view mm-hmm. by far, in my opinion. Not saying it was horrid or bad or anything. It's just not up to the standard that they have set, particularly for the beginning of their pay-per-views. Because what was la- last one was Revolution, and I think it was MGF and Darby Allin kicked that show off, and that was amazing. Uh, actually, Revolution, this past one, was uh, the dog collar match with Punk and MJF. Okay, yeah, I'm sorry. The one before uh, Full Gear was MJF and Dark. Man, he's kicked off three pay-per-views. That's kind of neat. I never realized that until mm-hmm. just now. But, again, two great matches with, like, great stories kicking off and getting you going, and then this one just kind of fell flat. Yeah, I, they have set the bar so high for themselves that I think this was bound to happen eventually that they were going to have one that just wasn't as good as the previous ones. And I think you and I even talked that the buildup for this was not that great either. I think that you and I both had discussed that we weren't quite as excited for this one as we had been for the most of the other shows they've done. Yeah, it just felt real thrill. It was like they forgot there was a pay-per-view coming up, and they're like, oh, shit, there's like a pay- we got a pay-per-view in a, m- or 
Sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to curse on here. But oh, like, oh swear away. No one's <laughs> listening like pay- anyway, so we, go ahead. We got, <laughs> we got a pay-per-view coming up in a few months. We got to get stuff going. And, you know, like the, the Hangman Punk angle until the week before the pay-per-view was just so flat, boring, and didn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it made sense in the terms of, hey, they want to, you know, put Punk in the main event, but it, it didn't feel personal like they were saying it did. And then... I don't. I can't think of a single storyline other than MJF and Warlow that actually had any build or drawn out to mm. it. Yeah, and of course, uh, you know the uh, build up to the show. They, I thought the uh, go home episode of Dynamite was really good, but still, like you weren't super jazzed about the pay per view. And then I don't know if MJF decided, like you know what, I'm going to build some interest for this event. So on Saturday during the Fan Fest, he just decided to do a no show. Yeah, I. Uh... I mean, I don't know if, if you want to jump right into that. Yeah, we'll we go into that first. Match, yeah, sure. But yeah, I mean, either either way, I think it's it ended up bad, just in my opinion, because he did no show fan fest, and a lot of people were upset. But they refunded everybody, and I saw someone point out too that his fan fest meet and greet prices are usually way way higher than what they were at Double or Nothing. Mm. So it's it's hard to know if it was a work or shoot. I I think it was. Shoot, like I think it was real, honestly. I think there were some really big issues that were happening, and I kind of don't blame MJF for being upset and you know not wanting to partake in the fan fest and stuff. I think the only negative thing about his what he did was he was going to screw over Wardlow pretty bad. I think mm. that sucks. Yeah, the uh, see, go ahead. I was just say I just I do see his point of view though as to why he's disgruntled and you know it's a it's about the money but I think there's also these feelings of seeing all these new guys come in and like obviously Punk and Daniel Bryanson are going to get huge paydays wherever they go like they're going to be some of the top paid guys and I can even see Adam Cole even though I'm not a fan he does he's a big draw but I also read, and again it's internet stuff so yeah take it with a grain of salt but I mm-hmm. read that like Swerve Strickland uh, Keith Lee. And Jay Lethal were all paid more than what he's currently making. And I can see where that would be pretty frustrating. Yeah. Well, the, I didn't even find out about this till the wee uh, early morning Sunday. Like, I just happened to wake up and I looked at my phone. And I seen that, like, he no-showed that. And then there was, like, serious concerns. He was, like, not going to show up for the event at all. And like you said, though, like, I get it. I would be super frustrated too if these guys are not established names, and he's arguably the biggest heel in wrestling. Make well outside of Roman Reigns, I think Roman's yeah, the biggest heel. But he's so different, though. Like Roman Reigns is your like quintessential heel. I think you know, not that he's not doing new and exciting stuff, but he's so such a good wrestling heel, and he's doing it. I don't know. I don't know. I guess I don't know how I'm going to explain this, but just he knows exactly how to be a heel and he's following the right steps and he's doing everything great to be a good wrestling heel. I think AM, MJF is kind of reinventing what a heel can be for wrestling, if that makes sense. Well, so, I've noticed that MJF's agree. got a lot of uh, old, like, 80s, like, ro- uh, rock and wrestling Roddy Piper vibe to him. If you have watched that, he reminds me so much of Roddy Piper back then, which is why that dog collar match, I think, to me, resonated a little bit more because. Roddy Piper's involved in the most infamous dog collar match there in wrestling was the one with Valentine in, was that 83? Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah. I've gone back and watched it. It was before I was born, but I definitely have seen, and I love Piper. Um, Mm -hmm. Actually, I mean, I knew about him when I was really into wrestling, and then his character on It's Always Sunny made me go back and watch all of his matches. Mm -hmm. It's because he was so awesome, so. 
But yeah. I, you're right. I guess I guess MGF's kind of taken maybe he's taken the old and sort of blending it with the new because I mean the simple way to say is he's just always in character when he's doing these meet and greets and when he's doing these interviews he's just always MJF the wrestler he's not anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even pretty... his mom and dad don't like him either. Yeah, that's fair. Like, who I can't think of another Hills parents who would show up and like with signs that say, you know, my son sucks or whatever the sign. You know, yeah. whatever they say that's commitment. Like, that's fantastic. Right. So hey, I, go ahead. I'll just say, I just again, I kind of see where he's coming from because he's. I think you're right. I think he's the most entertaining heel. I think he's the most entertaining wrestler working right now. Mm-hmm. I think he has the highest watch segments. Again, I don't know the exact numbers, but reportedly he has the highest ratings. Like when he's on, people are watching. And I, you know, I think I kind of thought of it afterwards. Like if he went into that pay-per-view seeing kind of all these new, like if he knew, um, I guess spoilers for double or nothing, but if he knew punk was going over and he knew like the Hardys were going over and he knew O'Reilly was going over and he just watched like the Owen Hart tournament where it was like all new people, you know, I, I, I'm not saying I agree with him. I'm saying I can definitely see where in his head he'd be like, man, this is bullshit. All these new people coming in, they're getting pushed over the guys who have been here working, you know, through the pandemic and stuff. Mm. So again, I don't agree with it. Cause one, you sign a contract, you need to fulfill it in my opinion, but I definitely don't, I don't blame him for being upset. Yeah. Like I, like you and I were talking, uh, when this was going down, like I was more concerned for like how he was going to screw over Wardlow because this has probably been the best built story of professional wrestling for like the last six, eight months It's like, when yeah. was Wardlow going to finally get tired of MJF? It happened at revolution. And then we we're going to get this gigantic payoff. And then here it was in jeopardy. But was it, so that's the thing. I don't know. Was it in jeopardy? Because for all we knew, again, like, he could have booked that flight to make it seem like he was just running from Wardlow, you know, that it had nothing to do with stuff. I know there's all the talk about the contracts and everything. And I know a lot of people have complained about the match, but in my opinion, it was exactly what it needed to be. Yeah. Like I wasn't expecting that to be a Matt classic and going like back and kind of thinking about it afterward. Yeah. I mean, that match was what it needed to be, but I think too, like the, the power bomb symphony, like what was it? 10 that MJF ended yeah. up getting. I think yeah, that was, like, I think that might have been, like, sticking it to him a little bit for, like, putting him through that. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I like to think that the plan was always for it to go down like that and for him to just be pissy because he kind of knew what was coming to him. Mm. And so, you know, again, just, re, you know, reading stuff online, someone pointed out that he always gets away with it, and now he, he knows for sure he's not going to. And that's why when he came down, like, you can just tell when he came down to the ring, he just was different. Like, he wasn't – I don't know. I think I we texted, and I was like, that's the first time it's ever felt like he was phoning it in. Um, but was that, you know, the person being pissed off about other stuff going on, or is that MJF just knowing he's going to get steamrolled and destroyed and, mm. you know, not try as hard? So I, I don't know. I don't want to discredit him because I think he is one of the smartest people in the business right now. Yeah. I, I hope it's one of those things where he, like, just goes and takes some time away, which I think is going to happen anyways – Dude, just simply because they had him wheeled out on a stretcher after the match. Like, you're not going to see him again for a little while. They brought that up quick, too. They did not waste time, like, having a doctor check on him. It's like they had it at ringside before the match started. Like, mm. we just we know this is going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, someone, someone pointed out, like, it could have been Tony Khan just being like, hey, go out there, lose, and we'll carry on on a stretcher, and then you'll take time off until we figure out what's going on. You know, could be something like that, too. Yeah, because a friend of mine's a big AEW fan, too, and he was uh, – him and I were texting back and forth, and, like, the whole situation reminded me of uh, 
SummerSlam 91. I don't know if you're familiar with this story, but the main event was Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior were teaming up to take on Sergeant Slaughter, uh, Colonel Mustafa, who you probably know better as the Iron Sheik. I don't know why they changed his mm-hmm. name. Like, everybody knows who this guy is. And then uh, Slaughter's manager was uh, General Adnan. And I, right before the event, the Ultimate Warrior wanted this huge payday or else he wasn't going to wrestle. They had built the event around – it was like the uh, the whole thing with this was the match made in heaven, which this was the uh, Macho Man Elizabeth wedding. And then the match made in hell was the the handicapped tag team match. And the Ultimate huh? Warrior basically said, like, I want a million dollars or else I'm not going to wrestle. And then Vince McMahon agreed to pay it. And then as soon as the match was over, Vince fired the Ultimate Warrior. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, rem- like, remember that, but I've read that story. I know Jeff Jarrett did something really similar. Yeah, he did that to right? China, with China, I think, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, uh, that I remember, while it, maybe not, like, coherently, but I was alive when that happened and remember, like, watching wrestling at that time. Yeah, Jarrett, I think, talks about that. He has a podcast called My World. Uh, I think he goes into depth about exactly the what happened with that, too. It's pretty interesting listen. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, that happens, and I... I just, I always, like, I get really sucked in because I look at wrestling as an art form. It's, you know, I, you know I'm really into theater, and that's kind of how I think of wrestling as, like, a as performance art. Mm-hmm. And I get really sucked into that, and I have to take a step back sometimes and remember, like, okay, these are people with lives and their own kind of baggage and emotion and stuff, and we need to account for that. I think uh, one of the other, this isn't exactly the same thing, but, like, Kurt Angle asking for time off from WWE and then getting it and then signing with TNA like a week later. <laughs> yeah. Not, not a week, but however long it was. Uh, but he killed it in TNA. I, I liked his TNA run better than I liked his WWE run. Really? Mm. He, he was really good at TNA. Joe's streak, man. I love that. That was that? The headbutt heard around the world? Like, mm-hmm. that was – I was watching that live when it happened. It was just awesome. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, I, I completely lost my, uh, my train of thought. But, yeah, I just – I don't know. Like, I'm really hoping – that this is just one of those things where you take some time away. Because uh, the WWE's dealing with something similar. Sasha Banks and Naomi, they walked out of Monday Night Raw. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I just feel like there's a time and a place to do that. And I don't I don't think, like, holding somebody hostage right before pay-per-view is it. But. I agree. I think in the case of, like, Sasha and Naomi, I think they had more. And, again, you don't know what's going on behind closed doors. But just from what I can see, I mean, let, like, the way WWE treats those women's tag titles is pretty awful. And, and like, it wouldn't be, it's not out of the realm of possibility that they were just told they had to do something that was super ridiculous and stupid. And they just didn't want to do it anymore. Well, with them too, what it was is, uh, they were basically, they were having a six pack challenge. It was supposed to be Naomi, Sasha, Oscar, and a couple of the other women's wrestlers. I don't know. I, I really don't watch too much WWE programming anymore. Um, so I'm like some of the wrestlers I kind of don't know as well as the others, but Naomi was supposed to win, and then she was supposed to go on to challenge uh, Bianca Belair at the Hell in the Cell pay per view, and I think they're going to set up Sasha to take on uh, Ronda Rousey, and oh, okay. I guess the concern was like, okay, well, what's going to happen to the women's tag team division, which they have been trying to build up, and Naomi or uh, Sasha's like a big proponent of those tag team belts and. Just kind of shit on it, so they took their shit and walked out. To, Here's the belts, well, and they left. Well, again, like I, I remember, because when I was getting into 
AEW, I kind of tried to get into WWE too, and I, you know, still not my not my favorite, but I think Sasha Banks and Bailey kind of I don't want to say carried them, but they were some of the most entertaining stuff WWE had going on during the pandemic. Oh, for Bailey, sure. Bailey for sure. Bailey was one of the MVPs of the pandemic run. She was so yeah. amazing, and it sucked that her run got kind of cut off when people started coming back because of her injury. But yeah, pa- Bailey's stuff was fantastic. Well, their whole storyline of being a tag team and they're kind of playing that, okay, when are they going to turn on each other? Who's going to turn first? Like that was, in my opinion, like that was enough for me to tune in to their segments and really mm-hmm. watch them. I don't, I whole different episode, but I have a lot of negative feelings about the way bo- both companies treated wrestlers who did really good during the pandemic. I think you see similar stuff with Sheeta because I think she kept that division going for a while, uh, putting on like banger match after banger match, and now she's... An afterthought. You know, taking, taking, yeah, taking out of the tournament without being told, if you believe kind of what she said on Twitter. So, mm. Yeah. Um, like, I don't know. For a while there, I was very optimistic about women's wrestling being kind of treated like on equal par with the men, but now it's like it seems like both divisions are taking a step back. I mean, you know, AEW has Thunder Rosa. I like her. Britt's been awesome. I, and then like with – I think I think Britt's the best female wrestler out right now. I don't think te- I think technical wise, there's a few above her, but I think just all around, and it could be because I watched her since day one, and I remember thinking like, man, she's just like a crappy vanilla baby face wrestler, and then to see her heel turn on the cruise, and she's one of the very few wrestlers, maybe very few women's wrestlers who has gotten literally better every single time mm-hmm. I see them. Yeah, and you can just tell how hard she works. So that's I'm a big fan of, of Britt Baker for sure. Um, um, I would love I would love to see a, you know, I mean she was champion and she definitely lost it at the right time. But I definitely would like to see her still have a really heavy involvement in the women's division. Yeah, I would probably say Charlotte is probably a little bit better, but I think she's a victim of right now the WWE just seems to not be able to write cohesive like angles and storylines keep people invested like i think the ronda rousey charlotte angle was just fell so flat because people had turned on ronda and then like you don't like charlotte to begin with so it's like two heels going at it it's like eh. but uh brit did win the uh the owen hart so she's still very highly thought of in that division absolutely and we can talk more on that when we get to i don't know if you want to go in like match order yeah, I'll just run down the uh, the card here real quick. Uh, the buy-in, which I was so mad. I don't know what Bleacher Report's deal is, but it seems like every time you order a pay-per-view from them, there's issues where you can't seem to get in right away. And I was... So, dude... Go ahead. I, sorry, I feel like I keep cutting you off. I'm really sorry. Oh, you're good. Um, they double-charged me, charged me twice, and... The entire night was an absolute nightmare. I'll say that first. It didn't it didn't work until right before that buy-in match started, but every single match, at least once, my audio dropped, and then it started playing in fast. It would, like, lag and then play in fast forward, and I'd have to back out and come back in. Uh, the D-Rosa match, I missed a good portion of because of that. Uh, it crashed, like, five times. And again, the, like, the audio dropped over ten times. I had so many issues with it, and I just I hated it. And I don't. I don't normally do this, but I wrote them a pretty strong worded email and highly suggested they give me a refund because, well, definitely for the double charge, but yeah, I was, I was that, that hurt my experience more, probably more than anything else mm-hmm. with, with the night. 
Yeah, I ordered mine yesterday, and I went to because we were doing like family stuff. So like I even set a time like, hey, I have to be home by seven o'clock because I'll get into that in a minute. But I was like, I want to, I can't miss the buy-in, and go to click on it, hit play because <clears throat> usually they start like the first half an hour is just like kind of these, you know, vignettes of like mm-hmm. setting up the matches and stuff, and it said I had to purchase it, and I was like, wait a minute. I went to my email, showed they had taken the money out. I was like, no. I just, so, like, okay, I'll, there's probably some kind of glitch because it took all the pay-per-views I had bought up before that, and it had the uh, the unlock button on it. Oh, yeah. Or the lock button, so I had to buy a mall. Yeah. I'm like, no, this isn't right. Like, I definitely know that I bought Revolution and Full Gear the previous year. And then um, I just kept following on Twitter, and I seen so many people having issues with it. And finally... You told me you got on, so then I went and uh, went back to the app, and then, like, it played seamlessly. I didn't have any issues the whole night with the exception of in the the House of Black uh, Death Triangle match. It, it kind of, like, reloaded for a brief minute. I probably lost, like, maybe 45 seconds of that match. Mm. Outside of that, no issues at all, but still. Well, that's good. I, I... I'm glad I wasn't just. I'm glad. I'm glad you didn't have the same kind of issues I did. I was, dude. I was livid. I hate. I I hate when that kind of stuff happens. And I, you know, I use. I use. So I use a VPN and Fight TV mm-hmm. to watch AEW most of the time. But Fight TV is starting to block VPNs, which is just infuriating. Yeah, yeah. I've seen a lot of complaints on Twitter about uh, people like, why not put it on Fight TV? Because I don't know I don't too know. many smart TVs that don't have that app. And I mean, I would imagine since uh, Bleach Report's owned by Turner, and since you know AEW is, you know, in the Turner family, that you're going to naturally have the events on there. But yeah, they got to do something about that. Yeah, I, I'm hoping that they're not they because it's been like that forever. Like since because BR Live wasn't that great either, so it's been like that for a while. My hope is that they're working on their own streaming thing and just going to wait and put it all on their own app or something like that. Yeah, like every every pay per view I've ever gotten, there's been some kind of issue before the the event starts. I it's never been this bad, but um, yeah, I was so I was getting so agitated. Like I thought I was gonna miss the buy in match, and the buy in match was Mark or Smart Mark Sterling and Tony Nice versus Hook and Danhausen. Who uh, Danhausen is one of those wrestlers that uh, kind of just went down a uh, a rabbit hole when I happened to see couple of YouTube videos, and I just kept gaining steam and gaining steam, and I have absolutely fallen in love with this character. He is one of my absolute favorite wrestlers. I mean, he's technically he's okay. He's not he's not Kurt Angle. You're never going to confuse him with, like, you know, even Tony Nese, but sometimes professional wrestling needs a character like this. Like, just kind of like somebody to kind of loosen it up and take a little bit of the seriousness out of it. Absolutely, and I mean that's look how successful Orange Cassidy's been with that, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and I this pairing, like I was hoping that they were going to pull the trigger on this, and they've set it up beautifully. Like just, and I'm eventually expecting this to run for a little while, and then I think Hook's going to eventually turn on Dan Housen, and you're going to build him up to be a bigger a bigger face in the long run. But, yeah, like, I was so upset. I thought I was going to miss this. And it wasn't anything – this match itself to me wasn't anything 
super spectacular. You did get to see Danhausen actually wrestle a little bit versus the squash match from uh, Dynamite, which I was. I get it. They've set up the angle, but still, that he got squashed pretty quick. Yeah, I don't know if he was even like totally clear. That's what I just assumed when he got squashed like that because his leg was really messed up. So I was just like, okay, he probably wasn't cleared for anything but a squash match. But he really got into it in the in the buy-in. Yeah, he even did a uh, version of Taz's uh, belly-to-back suplex too, which I thought was kind of a nice little nod. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it just came out of nowhere. I was I was like, holy shit, he has been. They did that training montage a few weeks ago on Dynamite, or maybe last week on Dynamite, which was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, I think he's probably slowly working his way back. So I don't think you're going to see him go full full board for another month or so but it was nice to see him actually in action for sure and you're right i think that parent because so dan housen's my wife's favorite wrestler you know what I my, my kids absolutely adore dan Housen. my three-year-old daughter even loves him like sometimes yeah. she'll crawl up in my chair and i'll have my phone up and she calls him uh, dale housen <laughs> yeah. so she's like daddy can we watch dale housen videos so I'm like, yeah, sure. So I would show her the one where he goes to pro wrestling tees. Mm-hmm. And she just sits there mesmerized watching it until, you know, a three-year-old is only entertained for so long. And then, you know, the next thing is like, ooh, squirrel. And it's completely. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I think he has a wide, I think he has a wider appeal than Orange Cassidy as far as like a, as a comedy wrestler. Um, I feel bad because Orange Cassidy's done some really great stuff, but I feel like they overexposed him, which is good now that they're letting him sort of cool off a little bit. Mm. Uh, I love, and I, like Hooks, we, Mercedes and I were just talking, we played this game where we had to answer questions, and my the question she had to answer was, who's my favorite athlete right now? And I, she said Moxley, and I was like, no, I got to be honest. Like, if I had to pick one, it's Hook right now. Hook entertains me more than any other wrestler mm-hmm. because he just, like, he walks to the ring, beats the hell with somebody, then walks out, and I love that. And one of my favorite wrestling memories is Taz uh, debuting and beating Kurt Angle. Like, mm-hmm. I think of that match at least once a week because I just love it so much. I'll watch it probably at least once a month, which is a little excessive, but I, I love it. And so it just reminds me of that. And it gives me these feelings of nostalgia, but I also just, I like his attitude. I like, I like everything about him to be honest. Mm-hmm. And I think him pairing him with Danhausen is just such a weird, a weird take, but it just works so well for no reason at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They have a, a very, uh, like, it has that 80s uh, buddy cop movie vibe, like, you know, like Eddie Murphy and Nick Nolte, Charles Grodin and De Niro, uh, Mel Gibson and Danny Glover. Like, just the, they're so mismatched that it just can't help but work together, and it does. Yeah. Well, I like the, the whole thing with the chips is really funny, too, because he, Dan Housen on Twitter, like, tagged a bunch of chip companies to try and get sponsorship, and none of them replied. And then I think it's hers, Chips. I think it's the one that, like, they tagged Dan House and they're like, hey, well, you know, you give give Hook our chips so he can't resist them. And so that's the actual chips they used. Oh, is uh, it? I, I think I I've think seen, so. too, there's some Michigan chip company, too, that's been giving him some stuff. The ones that he left in the ring for him when, uh, like, the week before they, they did the handshake. Mm-hmm. That was some kind of uh, Michigan chip company, I think. That That's probably, it might not be hers, then. That's probably what I'm thinking of. I yeah. just know a company tagged them on Twitter, so it's like it's it's getting like an actual company involved in their in their story. I don't know. It's just cool. I enjoyed the heck out of it, and it was other than the MJF Wardlow. I really look forward to that match. I just really am invested in that story. I think the Hook Danhausen match is the one I was most excited about for the whole night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, that's another great uh, 
story that AEW is telling right now is the two of them eventually coming together. Because I was actually expecting it to be Hook versus Danhausen at double or nothing, and then like uh, something would happen to where they would end up having to team up, and then Hookhausen would be formed here. But they did it a little mm-hmm. early. But yeah, I was super excited for it. Like I wasn't expecting. I wasn't expecting much, but I, I was pleasantly surprised. And anytime I could see Dan Howes, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm good. Yeah, I yeah, that's. I don't really have a lot to say about that match because again, it was everything it needed to be mm-hmm. and more. Like, and Tony Nese is awesome. Tony Nese just seems so willing to just wrestle and put over whoever he needs to, and he has a good time and looks great while he does it. Mm-hmm. I really respect Tony Nese. I think he's pretty cool. Yeah, I another. Know, I don't know him personally, but. Uh, you told me you did. That's the reason you're on here. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, uh, I just name-dropped him just to get, get on your show. I'm sorry. Yeah, really he was, yeah, he said, hey, I know Tony Nese. Maybe I can get him to come on. Like, oh, that would be awesome. So, thanks a lot, dude. Show's over now. Oh, uh, And then, uh, of course, they kicked uh, the, the actual event off with the Wardlow-MJF match. We kind of touched on that briefly. Yeah, this is uh, exactly what we expected it to be. MJF got his ass kicked, got carried out on a stretcher. Uh, I think it was a solid match. I mean, but we don't have to. We've already went into depth for that, so we don't have to go too much into it. Unless you have yeah, anything else I, you want to add? No, the the after match angle where uh, Tony Schiavone, like I said, you're you're all elite and stuff. I think I think they should have saved that for Dynamite and made a bigger deal about it. In my opinion, mm-hmm. and I think because Tony Khan has said he doesn't want to be a character in wrestling, but I think Tony Khan should have actually come. I don't know, just to give Wardlow even even more of an endorsement, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing I wish would have been different other than the stuff we've talked about. But, the yeah, the match itself was was just great. It was good watching MGF just get the crap beat out of him like he deserves. Yeah, I, I tell you what, I, Wardlow is, if he's not now, Wardlow is probably going to be headlining pay-per-views within a year. So that's the thing. What what do you think's next for him, though? Well, real quick before I forget, because I should have mentioned this earlier. Did you notice MJF do the airplane mm-hmm. motions in the ring? Dudes, if whether it's real or not, dude's a genius, and I lo- I love him. But yeah, what's next for Wardlow? Do you think? Because I was trying to think, like, man, what, where can he go? Because he's not going to challenge. I don't think for either title. No, I don't. I can't. Because I think they're going to be start. You know, they're setting up Forbidden Door next. I I don't see him in the title picture anytime soon, but. I don't know, like, I think that he's beaten MJF. Like, he went up the ladder. Um, I don't know. I think he's got to go up against, like, somebody, like, on maybe not MJF's level, but somebody close. Like, um, I was thinking uh, maybe, because I, I'll get in, just touch, I'll just do it now. I was going to save it. But uh, I really think that the House of Black, I hope that this angle with Death Triangle's done. I love seeing. I think they've worked well together, but I wouldn't mind seeing him like maybe feud with one of them because you can match him up against uh, Buddy Matthews, excellent technical wrestler. Then you could put him in against uh, Rody King, which now whenever I say that name, I just think of that botched, <laughs> the botched uh, plancha from uh, last night. Which oh yeah, um, I I forgot all about that honestly. Yeah. But I don't know, maybe somebody like, you know, feuding with, like, the House of Black. Uh, I don't know, like, I would say Lance Archer, but Lance Archer, they already did their thing. And, I don't know, Lance Archer is kind of criminally underused, but we'll save that for a different episode. I don't know, what <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, what do you think? 
I I don't know. So just really thinking about it, if my first thought was, man, I'd love to see him take on like Samoa Joe. I'd like to see him take on another big guy who has a lot of technical skill. And I, I would like to think Joe would put him over, not like with a loss or anything like that, but just that Joe would give him a good showing and like they could have a pretty good rivalry, good feud going on. But Joe's kind of tied up with the ROH stuff going on. I think that's the extra going. So I don't know. I have that's what I'm worried about. I have no idea what's next for him, but he needs to he needs to keep his momentum going. In my opinion, I think he's as good as he is. If we don't see him for two three weeks, when we do, it's not going to be as exciting. Yeah, I think it's got to be somebody big, like not and, MJF big, but he's got he's got to move on to like some of the upper tier guys. I would even maybe say something with. Uh, Jericho, but I don't think their stuff's done either, but we'll save that for a little bit with Kingston. Yeah. My my worry is that he's going to be on dark and elevation, just trying to get his win count up, and that we've seen that that doesn't work. Like, they tried that with Lance Archer, right? Like, they tried to give him all these wins with people that we didn't know on dark and elevation, and it just didn't translate to the to, to the main shows. So I, as long as he's on Dynamite or Rampage, at least one of those two every week, I think he'll be fine. Um, yeah, well, I don't know, like, if they made, like, a big deal of, like, they started him on this, uh, like, kind of did what they did with Goldberg and WCW, kind of, like, made, like, okay, like, they started his win streak as 1-0, like, okay, now he's an official member of uh, AEW, he's 1-0 as an official member of AEW, and he goes on this win streak, and they, they kind of make a big deal about it, kind of like Goldberg. That would be cool. I mean, let's be real, like, that was the coolest thing in wrestling at that time, in my opinion, the Goldberg streak. Like that was just, even though they just bloated the hell, like what was it like 160 some? Yeah. He was, well, that, he was like beating that. a lot of like, he was beating a lot of tomato cans too. Like he had yeah. beat up Ravens, like every member of Ravens flock like six or seven times. And it wasn't even Raven. It'd be like Lodi and some of the, the underlings of that faction. But yeah, I mean, if yeah. they did something like that too, where like he I'd, just built this momentum yeah, to where like okay he's got to get a shot at a title, and then you just blow the roof off the place when he finally gets the shot and he wins, you know. Mm-hmm. I yeah I think that'd be great. I I don't know. I it's always hard to guess what AEW is going to do next, but I hope as long as they just keep his momentum going anyway. And I, I'm not even saying he has to win every match. I just want to see him every week, and I want him to be like a real serious presence in AEW. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think he's earned it at this point. For sure. Yeah. I, I talked to, so we did a, I don't know, this episode will probably come out, so I don't want to give spoilers. Tuesday, um, Tuesday night. Yeah. So we have an episode that's not going to come out for like another couple of months. Um, but we start, we talk about Wardlow a little bit and I was like, man, this dude is like with MJF, who's one of the best characters in wrestling. And he's still finding a way to make you look at him and think about him and, I think Wardlow is vastly underrated as far as the character of Wardlow, mm-hmm. for sure. I don't think we've even seen the service of what he has to offer. Yeah. Yet. And the dude wants to be an actor. Like he said in interviews that that's what his next step is after, after wrestling is acting. So I think we're going to see a lot of cool stuff from yeah. him. I'll be honest with you. When uh, the uh, the whole turn of him at uh, Revolution, I was still kind of lukewarm because, okay, like how is he going to come off as a character? Because he was essentially at the time – just kind of like MJF's bodyguard didn't really say much, but then he came came out the dynamite after uh, Revolution and cut that promo. I'm like, all right, I'm in now. Like, dude can yeah. fuck it. He could talk. Like, it has it, that whole MJF thing gave me the uh, the uh, the Diesel Shawn Michaels vibes a little bit. Yeah. So, 
Yeah. I get real uh, – this might be a weird reference, but I get I get Tim Storm vibes from him in TNA because MJF always talked about him taking care of his mom. Mm. And I'm just like, man, I hope they don't go like a Mama Wardlow angle like they did with <laughs> Tim Storm there in NWA for a while. Yeah. Mama Storm. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I – that was really cool to see though and like that reaction he got. Like he's over. Like there's no doubt about it now. Mm. I just – again, with the talk with like – you know, my own opinions on them putting over the new guys and focused on these new signings. I just really hope they, they look at Warlow and see the potential he has because he could be another Batista or another Goldberg easy. Oh, yeah, for really sure. Could. I think I think he knows what he's got because I don't think he would have put him in that spot if he wasn't confident in – because you could have easily just made this feud like a throwaway dynamite feud, but no, like they built it up. This was like one of the marquee matches of this pay-per-view was this – MJF Wardlow match, so you're right. So, like you said, a story they've been telling for a couple of years. So, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, I remember when they first said announced that they signed Wardlow, and then you never saw him. They, I think they had like this little video package, and then I'm like, where the hell is this guy at? And then he comes mm-hmm. comes as MJF's assistant, and mm-hmm. I don't know. He's I get all the credit in the world to him because I think he's done a really good job. Right. Um, the uh, next match on the card was uh, one I was uh, kind of underwhelmed by. It was the Hardys versus the Young Bucks. I think when you see, especially at this uh, point, I wasn't expecting, you know, the Hardys to put on a classic like they had used to. But, I mean, the Young Bucks are like kind of the standard attack team wrestling at this point. Them and FTR. And I was just kind of underwhelmed by this. Nothing really. It's just kind of like, meh, okay. Yeah, I and again, it felt rushed. Like there was no big cre- Jeff Hardy coming to AEW is cool. I like Jeff Hardy. He was he was one of the most exciting wrestlers in the '90s and early 2000s to watch for sure. But the dude like is gonna kill himself, and I can't watch him anymore without being really worried about him. And I, I don't know. I've I've always just worried about him since his uh, the TNA stuff with Sting that happened. Like ever since then, I can't watch him without being like, man, I hope he's okay. I hope he's not gonna hurt himself or do something crazy, but it's just been rushed since he got it. Like they turn Matt Hardy face super quick just to get him paired with Jeff Hardy. And then this, then they kind of floated around for a little bit until the young bucks came out and challenged him. I know on BTE they've been doing stuff, but not everybody watches BTE. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it was a, just another example of a match just being super rushed. So I didn't have a reason to care. I just felt like they were doing this match because they thought they had to. Yeah. And uh, it looked like too, Jeff was kind of, I don't know if he got banged up at some point in the match, but there was a big stretch of the match where he looked like he was just completely out of it and kind of, like, hurt or something. Yeah, I think, I mean, you can tell just by the way he's doing his swantons now that he does not want to take bumps on his back and mm-hmm. his ribs and stuff. So, and I don't blame him. He's been doing it for 100 years, you know. So, I I was also very underwhelmed. And I'm not, like, the biggest fan of the Young Bucks. I think they're phenomenal to watch, and they're really entertaining. But this just, yeah, this definitely fell flat. And they wrestled, they've wrestled before, and the Young Bucks have won. Yeah, they so had the much Hardys better stuff won. in Ring of Honor. Yeah, now the Hardys have a, have one over them. So I know there's going to probably be like a third match down the road that'll probably be a TLC match, I'm sure. But I really just, I would love for the Hardys to have a couple more good matches and then and then be done with their run. I really would. I really hope they don't get the titles or something like that. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't want to see the Hardys in the tag team title picture. I just, 
you've done it all. I think this should be kind of the culmination of like the the Hardy's last run. Mm-hmm. I know, like I've just been not enamored with them at all since they got back together. And even like Matt's time in AEW, I thought was kind of yeah. Yeah, I, it's hard to blame Matt because he came he came in expecting to do the whole broken Matt Hardy universe thing, and then there were no fans. And I think he said once that he just really hated doing it without fans there. Mm-hmm. So he switched to the big money character, but then fans came in, and then I think the big money character did not resonate well with AEW fans at all. No, I I did not like that character at all. Like I didn't even get the gist of it. Yeah, it was it was all kinds of odds. And then I think just kind of going back to the the Team Hardy persona, I would love it if, like, I guess this is kind of bad, but almost every match I'm like, man, I hope they do a storyline where he gets broken, you know, in quotes, broken again and goes back to broken Matt Hardy. And then I just, I was hoping Jeff Hardy would just debut, debut as Willow instead of regular Jeff Hardy. I thought that'd be way more entertaining. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think this match would have been better served to have – like, set up the Hardys and the Bucks down the road. And, like, I don't know, like, I would have rather seen FTR have a match instead of... Yeah, so weird they weren't on the card with how just on fire they've been. You know that I was vastly against FTR when they first debuted, and now they're one of my favorite tag teams. Oh, I... Like, 80% of it is their awesome theme music, but other than that, like, they're just really awesome to watch now. Oh, yeah, it has... That... It has very 80s Midnight Express tones to it. I mean, that's what I thought yeah. they, they stole it. I think they pretty much stole it from the Midnight Express, but <laughs> yeah, I, I don't understand why they or even do this as like a, tri- well, I guess they already had a triple threat match on the card, so I guess you don't want to do overkill the tag teams, but mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I think this would have been better saved for you know, like even the Bucks maybe take Matt and Jeff out a little while, for a little while, and just let them maybe kind of recuperate and then, like, mm-hmm. okay, we'll have this big blow-off and just set up the feud better. I mean, I think it deserved a little bit better than it got. I think so. I I, will, I guess down the road what I really hope, and I don't think it will, but I really hope that they just become kind of the the old-school mentors, like what Sting's been doing with Darby Allen, and, mm-hmm. you know, how, like, Jericho kind of, you know, he had the inner circle, and then he was paired with MJF, and now he's with uh, the 2.0 and uh, Daniel Garcia kind of like that, or like Jake Roberts with Lance Archer. I love to see them take on, like, another tag team and sort of just be their mentors and really help them out. I think the uh, top flight would be a perfect choice. I was just thinking the same thing. But the one of them's hurt again. Dar- Darius mm-hmm. is yeah. again. hurt again, and he's going to be out for a while. But then just Dante would be cool, too, or if they do Dante and then find another person to team him up with and mentor them. Mm-hmm. Is my am I sounding okay? I feel like I'm sounding weird. Oh no, you sound perfect, man. Sound perfect on my end. Sorry, it's the most talking I've done that that hasn't been baby talk in six months. <laughs> so I'm sorry, but yeah, I would like to see that where they're where they can do like what Sting does, where they'll he'll do a tag match with Darby Allen, and Darby Allen carries like a good seventy percent of it, and then Sting comes in, gets a loud pop, does some chops, and does his little you know chest bump thing, which I freak out for every single time, and then perhaps man. dive off of a, a mezzanine. Onto Andrade yeah, yeah. through, you know, three tables. <laughs> yeah, but again, I think, like, put that, put Jeff Hardy in a scenario like that, I think he'd be way, I think he'd be way more entertaining if he was doing that stuff once every few months instead of every few weeks. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I I don't know, something like that I think would be good for them down the road. Because I love them both. I, you know, again, they're a big part of me growing up watching wrestling. I don't want to not see them. 
I don't want them to like retire or anything. I just would like them to sort of shift what they're doing. Right. Um, the uh, next match in the card um, really isn't too much. It was uh, the TNT Championship. It was Anna J versus Jade Cargill, who I think is a star in the making. I don't. Really? Oh, I, I think I, she's... For a very specific reason. So, I like Jade Cargill. I think, personally, she's awesome. Once uh, she came out once and, like, waved at her daughter, and her daughter was, like, all excited. I love that. I love that kind of stuff. Um, she is really green still. Oh, she yeah. she has a lot of issues. She... I was telling Mercedes when we were watching it, she telegraphs worse than any wrestler I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, Although she has gotten know. better than she she has been. She's slowly, I think she's slowly getting better, but I still think she's got some work. But I think she just has a, an it factor that, that the division doesn't really have outside of maybe a handful of the wrestlers. Yeah, I. so my issue is, and again, she is she's good, and she's only been doing it for two years. But my issue is I don't think anyone's telling her that she needs well, you know, you do know better. she's working with uh, Brian Danielson. Yeah, she mentioned that during the media scrum that she's working with Brian. So, I, you know, two years down the road, she'll be amazing, and I'll listen to this and cry because I have no friends because of this. But like, oh, you'll have one. Really, I don't know. I watched I watched the media scrum, and everyone was like, "That match was great. You did such a great job." And I was like, "Really? Like that match was just kind of one botch after the other." And I think her kicks. They're either perfect and awesome or they're terrible and garbage, like her big pump kicks and stuff. I think she has a long way to go before she's even remotely, I don't want to say entertaining, but before she's even remotely, like, considered a good wrestler. Mm -hmm. And I hate to be mean to her because I think personally she's awesome. I think the stuff they're doing with the baddie section to get uh, Red Velvet and I can't remember, Kira Hogan involved, I think that's cool. And giving her a faction is cool. I just... I really would like to see her get better, and I don't think she's going to by doing these, you know, few minute squash matches, and by having all these people tell her how amazing she's doing. Yeah. So, I guess I didn't really think she mentioned Brian Danielson like working with him. I didn't know it was like a training thing. If that's the case, then she's going to be phenomenal. <laughs> you know, right? You're not going to work with Brian Danielson and come away anything less than a good wrestler. Yeah, I mean, I I think she's got a, uh, some ways to go, but yeah, like, I I think she's going to be the Future that division. I was actually impressed by Anna Jay, how good she was. Now, I mean, Anna Jay's kind of in the same boat to an extent. She's mm-hmm. very green, too. I think for what they had to work with, I thought it was decent but not great. I mean, the, basically the big takeaway from this is who showed up after the match. Yeah. Um, uh, I, the best part of the match was John Silver, like, creep it. Like, the way he was running down the ramp was so creepy and hilarious. Uh-huh. At Mark Sterling, that was that was the. Best I did not realize how small John Silver was until he has a pair. Like, doesn't have like his wrestling gear on. I thought he's like yeah. as tall as my eleven-year-old son. Well, you say small as in like short because he is jacked. Oh yeah, I was gonna say he <laughs> is. He is yoked. Um, well, and I agree with Anna J. Like, I'm a big fan of Anna J's that since she first debuted because I liked her gimmick, and then I'm a big fan of the or was a big fan of the Dark Order. Like when Brody Lee was running it and everything, and I just thought. That storytelling was awesome. I just think she's fizzled out, and this match was rushed again. Now, this one, along with another one, we now know why it was added to the card last minute, and that was to – to so Tony Khan talked about at the media scrum how he wanted to extend the length of the pay-per-view to go beyond the game, and it's like the last three matches were fantastic, and he wanted those last three to go when the game was over. 
that's why he added this. And my opinion, the, the Darby Allen and O'Reilly match last minute was to sort of fill it mm-hmm. until people tuned in. And according to him at work, he said that they almost they made like seven more figures after the game was over. And he said nearly seven figures. So Oh wow. So for what it was, like this rush last minute sort of not really a squash, but pretty close match. I think it was pretty it was okay. I just, man, I I think I'm frustrated because I see all the potential Jay Cardio has, and I just really wish I'd see her working a little bit more, a little bit harder. Yeah, I think it's coming. I think too, if you put her in with some like established talent. I mean, it uh, it looks like they're setting up her versus Athena. Who, if you don't know that name, uh, wrestling fans would know her best as uh, Ember Moon in NXT. She's a phenomenal worker. She seems to be. A touch in, injury prone, at least she was in her WWE NXT run, but she's a phenomenal worker. I think putting cargo with like wrestlers that know how to work and lead her along, I think it could help her development too. Because I, it's like with anything, it's repetition and working with people that know what they're doing. You're going to mm-hmm. get better eventually too. Yeah, I I I knew of her just from people saying that they hope she debuts. Mm-hmm. In AW, so I didn't really know much else about her. Yeah, I just knew her by name, which is great. I'll take all the. Now I'm worried because you know Ruby Soho got signed and she really hasn't done much since, and now people are complaining that she's not being used. And I think Tony Storm's going to end up in that same boat. Mm-hmm. So I, I would rather see them have a better plan for who they have before they sign anybody else. Yeah. Um, but let's be real. If Sa- if Sasha Banks becomes a free agent, they're going to sign her. There's no way they wouldn't. Oh, I'd be stupid not to. Oh, for sure. Um, uh, also, uh, Malcolm Bivens. I what's is Stokely Hathaway is what they're calling him. Yeah. In that? Uh, yeah. If he's no, paired with honor name, I think. If uh, he's paired with Cargill, that's only going to boost her character. He's a phenomenal uh, mic worker. Didn't really do much wrestling wise, but I don't know what that means for uh, Smart Mark Sterling. I think his Meal tickets finally. No, she, so she said in the media scrum, she's like, I have a lawyer. Now I have representation. So I think she's keeping Mark Sterling from the sounds of it, which is, that's kind of cool. I like that. I like that he's representing <laughs> several different people. I love that he got powerbombed by Wardlow and then showed up in a next segment with a completely different storyline with a neck brace on. Yeah. I, dude, Mark Sterling's fantastic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, that was the, the takeaways from that match. Wasn't a lot that went on. Um, who do you th- who do you think is going to beat Jade finally? Do you think there you think I, anyone in the company now? I personally, I think it's going to be one of those things where I don't think if they if she progresses and she gets better, I personally think it could be one of those things where Jade's got both titles and just kind of like a yeah. Goldberg scenario with the uh, the U.S. title and the world title when he beat Hogan. Yeah. But I'm also a lot higher. I, I am extremely high on her potential to be something special because she, she has an it factor that you don't really find in that division too much. So, Yeah, which I agree. Now now I'll, I'll backstep a little bit. Maybe I'm a little too hard on her. But, again, I do like her personally. I just – in the ring. I, yeah. I talked about Britt Baker <clears throat> earlier, how she's – she gets better in the ring every time I see her, and I just don't see that from Jade, so I get a mm. little worried. But – um. I would love them to build Jamie Hader up and have Jamie Hader be the one to to beat her f- for the first time. I'm a big fan of Jamie Hader. Mm-hmm. I think she has the size to be just as intimidating. And I'm not talking where she, you know she comes out and destroys, but I'd love to see like a good like 15 minute match with them and Jamie Hader just barely pull it out. Yeah, they need to do something to where like she 
is challenged versus like yeah squash matches every week. I think they came. Anna Jay put up a better fight than I was expecting. This was like because I actually I forgot that this was a rematch from a mm-hmm. previous uh, pay per view match, if I'm not mistaken. And I was like, uh, again. And like you said, I thought this was kind of a filler match, but I mean, they did the best they could with, and it was different than what they did the first time. But well, they built that other lady up. Uh, what was the lady she wrestled on Dark? Like you never saw her on Dynamite, and she was like this. What was her name? Marina Shafir? Was that it? Yeah, I. Th- I'm trying to think if she's the one that's married to Roderick Strong. Uh, I'm not sure, but I know, like, they built her up. At, like, the way they built her up is a credible threat, but I'm like, I've never seen this lady wrestle outside of Dark, so I have no yeah, idea. Yeah, she was in NXT for a little bit, but she didn't really do much in that either. It was funny because uh, Mercedes was asking about her. She's like, why are they building her up even though, like, she's obviously not going to beat her, but they're trying to make people think she can. And I was like, you ever see the Great White Hope? <laughs> uh, <laughs> like that's that's exactly what that's exactly what's happening there. Mm-hmm. I just picture Damon Wayne's chasing after the ice cream truck. That's <laughs> I love that movie. Uh, very underrated movie. I haven't seen it in a long time, but yeah, I used to. Yeah, I, used I don't to, get a drop a I don't get a drop a reference to it <laughs> that often, so I'm pretty glad it came up. Yeah. Now uh, I'm just waiting for something uh, you to reference Irish Terry Conklin at some point. Um. <laughs> Next match was uh, Death Triangle versus the uh, House of Black. Uh, there really wasn't much that went on in this outside of uh, Julia Hart finally embracing the dark side and joining the House of Black. She cost, uh, cost Death Triangle the match. I think up until uh, at this point in the pay-per-view, this was the best match of the night. Uh, yeah, this, this I was this really what... good, but... With the talent involved, I really would have ex- I would have been disappointed. This wouldn't have been good, but it turned out to be like it was really good. Yeah, I it definitely. But at this time, it kind of got it breathed some life back into the night, in my opinion. Um, phenomenal! All all six of those wrestlers are just so good, and I think we talked before. Like I was a big, I loved the feud between uh, Malachi and Buddy Matthews back in WWE, and. Uh, like that was just like their wrestling was just so good. I'm so glad that they brought in Matthews to be a part of this now. Mm-hmm. Dude's freaking jacked. Like ugh, it's insane how good a shape he's in. Like I see him and I look down at myself. And I'm just like, you just need to die. Like, well, you know what? The uh, <laughs> I I tell people all the time. Like they, it's all they get paid to do that. If I could get paid to go lift weights, I would be there eight hours a day, five or six days yeah. a week. <laughs> I know it's funny. The sometimes uh, what day I forget what they announced. Uh, Lance Archer's weight at, but it was like 330 pounds or something like that. And I pointed to the screen. I was like, Mercedes, him and I have the same body. We weigh the same. <laughs> like, not not even close. <laughs> but, yeah, I think, uh, I mean, yeah, these six, you know they're going to put on a great match if they have the time and if no one gets hurt. That seems to what always derails these kind of awesome feuds. Mm-hmm. And the word is they wanted, they wanted this match to happen at the last pay-per-view or at, like, way earlier and have Julia do the turn way earlier. But they, but Phoenix got hurt, so they just kind of been spinning their wheels. Totally get it, totally fine. I think Julia, man, if they treat her right, she could be huge because she's what she's twenty years old, and she's already pretty good. I think she's a, I think she's an okay wrestler, and if they really just get her character worked down, I think she could be phenomenal just right. in a couple of years. And I love, I always talk about how I want factions to have multiple gender like there's no reason a faction can't have men and women involved and i like i'm glad because we talked this was years ago about the inner circle getting a female member and i don't think it would have worked for them but 
having House of Black have a, a woman in it, I think is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I figured this was probably like the blow-off so they could get Phoenix involved in it because I don't think he could have mm-hmm. ended this feud without him being involved in it somehow. Yeah, for sure. And, like, I love the Lucha Brothers. Man, I didn't watch much of them before AEW, but they just are so good. Yeah, I think you and I are probably higher on those guys than the most. But yeah, they're my f- they're my favorite wrestling tag team. I love those two. I wish I wouldn't mind seeing them split up so they can maybe do some single stuff. But yeah, that'd be I, cool. I'd like to see first. I think the uh, like Penta going after Punk maybe that'd be sweet. Yeah, I I they're probably going to be relegated to the TNT championship most likely, but yeah, I think those guys could easily pull off a singles run too. But yeah, I love the Lucha brothers, but I think with these, these two guys, I think this should be the blow off. This should should be done now. I, yeah, for sure. It's not, it's definitely not what anyone wanted it to be because of the injuries and just the way things happened that that happens in wrestling. I think they just kind of accept it and then move on. But who do you think? Cause Death Triangle, I think they'll just kind of do some tag stuff and do some, you know, trios tags for a while. But what do you think House? Who do you think House of Black's going to go after next? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I think they need to go up the food chain a little bit because I think, uh, no disrespect to Pac and the Lucha Brothers, but I mean, they kind of made Malachi Black out to be a big deal when he signed, and he hasn't been mm-hmm. treated like that since, since. Yeah. So I mean, I could maybe see. I don't know. I don't think it's I, – I've been the proponent of, like, him going after a championship. Like, I, I don't think he's established enough yet to where I would put him against CM Punk at, like, all out or anything. But Well, I saw somebody mentioned on Reddit. And I, don't get on, I don't get on Reddit that often. That place is toxic. Yeah, well, my wife banned me from it. I'm not allowed on it because it gets me so worked up sometimes. But It's not um, Twitter toxic, but it's close. It's pretty close, yeah. Yeah, it's just... Uh, but someone mentioned, like, it'd be sweet to see House of Black go after Punk, not to challenge for his title, but to just break him, and they cause Punk to turn heel. I think that'd be that'd be a great story, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And, like, Punk maybe has to recruit some other people to help, but he can't find anybody because, like, they're already teasing, like, some backstage drama with him. and st- I don't know. I think that would be a story that would be a pretty cool buildup to right before Forbidden Door. Mm-hmm. Although and now that you mentioned it, be the, uh, you know, Okada or Kenta or whoever they're going to have face him. Uh, now that you mentioned it too, I think a Malachi Black Hangman Page feed would be pretty okay Ooh. too. Yeah. See, that's the thing, man. I think you could pair Malachi Black up with anybody and he's going to make an amazing story out of it. That dude is such a good storyteller. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that yeah, you have to get, he has to go up the food chain now. I think that. Yeah. I mean, you, I don't think that's disrespectful. I think that's a good way to put it. Like Lucha Brothers and Pack. I mean, Death Triangle has had issues from the start. They've never been able to get going because mm-hmm. once Death Triangle debuted, and then pandemic, and then Pack stuck in the you know stuck at home for months and months. Yeah. Cool, cool fucking name. It's like the coolest faction name ever. It's Death Triangle. Yeah, I, it's something. It's even cooler sounding in Spanish. I can't. I can't think of what it is, but it's even more chill inducing well we'll have somebody look it up um the next uh, match actually i wanted to lump these together since uh the next two matches were the finales of the owen hart uh finals and i can't think of 
a more disappointing match since I've started watching AEW than I was with Adam Cole and Samoa Joe. Yeah. Even the finish, it just kind of, it the buildup wasn't there. It's like, okay, that's, that's how you're going to end. Yeah. And it, just, it seemed I, like it kind of got stuck and never really got going. It's funny because while the match was going on, Mercedes Mercedes was watching Arthur so that I could sit and focus on the pay-per-view, which is super awesome of her. Um, but he was getting fussy, and I looked over at her, and I was like, hey, do you need me to take him for a minute? And she's like, no, that's okay. And then I looked at the TV, and the match had been over. And I was like, holy shit, what did I miss? Uh-huh. Like, I thought I missed some big, awesome finish, and I was like, no, okay, never mind. <laughs> yeah, it just um, kind of, it was done. I think the tournament from the beginning has been really just strange and odd, and we've talked before, and I know it sounds like I'm hating on the new people coming in. I'm definitely not a, like, like if a big name is a free agent, you need to sign them. That's just how it is. But, like, I feel like the Owen Hart tournament was just so wasted on the newer talent and getting over the newer talent. And the final four were all people who were signed after the tournament, after we already knew there was going to be a tournament, which just was really weird. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that there are certain people in AEW who are never going to win a title, never going to be a champion, and this was a perfect example to kind of give them their due and sh- shine a light on them for maybe the last time. And I think of someone like Dustin Rhodes, who I'm not even a gigantic fan of, but the dude puts in work. And I was like, man, he would have been a cool finalist for this, mm-hmm. you know, or um, I, no one else really comes to mind. But I just I was like, man, Adam Cole and Britt Baker is such a weird pick because they're both heels-ish. Baker's kind of teetering, but they both cheated to win in the tournament. And I just, I don't get it. I don't understand. And then they both sat there graciously and were like smiling and happy. And I know you, you know, you want to break kayfabe for something as important as the Owen Hart foundation, which, you know, you should, but it's like, man, you, you chose to put over two heels for this great company. Well, I think they may have done that because, uh, that'd have been a little awkward to see Ruby Soho stand up there with, with Adam Cole for like 15 minutes, like, uh, you just well, beat get... my girlfriend. And yeah, <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like that wouldn't have worked cause he's a heel. So why, why do that? I, I just don't understand. And like, I don't, I don't get Adam Cole's appeal. Honestly, I know a lot of people love him. I just don't get it. I don't think he's See, I'm, I'm a, a big Adam Cole guy. I, he's always like in NXT and even ring of honor. He always put on like awesome matches. Like I think, for the men's side, I think he was kind of the perfect guy. It when they announced the field, he was the guy I figured should have won it because winning something like this still makes him relevant. Since he had basically lost to uh, Adam Page twice, yeah, kind of puts him down a little bit. But I think he's such a huge star; you have to make him relevant. Um, I personally I don't that. think Britt Baker needed this. I, agree, I think Ruby I... Soho needed this more. I I think so, and I the word deserves kind of shitty, but I think Britt Baker deserved it for sure. Again, I don't know. I think of how much work she's put in, and I just like Ruby Soho hasn't done it. Like she got booed when she beat Statlander. Like that was mm-hmm. I did not expect that at all. So I, like the audience just really isn't behind her, and she really hasn't done anything that great. And she's just been the same since she got here, and I think she needs to sort of reinvent herself. Now I think. You know, talking about, you know, just fantasy booking forward, I think it'd be super cool if she turned heel and, you know, obviously you don't want to copy the Riot Squad, but do something similar to that to get people excited about her again would be awesome. And then do the opposite with Adam Cole and 
Britt Baker, have them turn face and be like, well, you know, Adam Cole do a promo with the Young Bucks. Like, well, you know, I won this, and Owen Hart was a nice guy. I kind of want to be a good example and, and, like, start to turn face, and everyone's like, what the hell's his problem and stuff? Mm. They could do something cool like that and would be fine. But Soho definitely needs needs some help. I think what she's trying to do right now is just not working. Right. Um. I don't know. Like, that's an interesting thing. Like, Adam Cole, though, seems to work better as a heel. There's some guys that are just have a pre They're just better as a heel. And Adam Cole's kind of like the undisputed era when they were in the NXT. They were heels, but, well, with the exception of uh, the Pat McAfee stuff. But uh, they were the, the cool heels, kind of like the NWO. Yeah. They're heels, but everybody loved them anyways. That's kind of how the undisputed era was. So, and plus, I think they're going to keep. He's going to be heel when uh, Kenny eventually comes back, too, so you get the big young bucks. Oh, yeah. Kenny versus uh, Adam Cole and the Redragon. Uh, I just, I guess I'm just disappointed in the whole tournament, to be honest. And, again, I'm just not big on Adam Cole. I, like, I, this is super shitty, but, like, he's Britt Baker's boyfriend most of the time when I talk about him. Like, oh, yeah, it's Britt Baker's boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I hate to be that way. I'm just really not into him. Hey, you know what, though? People like, like who they done. like, and sometimes people just don't click. Um, mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, uh, now that you mentioned we, that, go ahead. Before we move on, though, what do you think of them taking Sheeta out of the tournament? Do you think that was legitimate? Do you think, like, they legitimately just didn't tell her? Or do you think it was all planned to be that way in the first place? You know, I, I don't I don't really know what to think about that because I, I could kind of see them doing that. It's like if you didn't have a, a plan for Sheeta to begin with, why put her in? Why didn't you just put Chris Statler Ladner in there to begin with? Well, it doesn't did, make sense. I know Layla Hirsch got hurt pretty bad, which yeah. I think ruined plans for her and Statlander. But they said Sheeta was hurt, but she had just wrestled like seven matches that week and was fine. And she mentioned on she just mentioned something on Twitter how this was like news to her and like was confused of why they took her out. And I know she's she was vocal a few months ago about how AEW is not really being accommodating to the foreign wrestlers. And I'm worried that got her some bad heat maybe. Yeah, that may have. So I, I don't know. That worries me. Cause I, again, I like Sheeta. She's not my favorite in the division, but she's definitely put in a ton of work. Mm-hmm. And I think her match with Britt Baker where uh, Britt lost, but she busted her nose and was bleeding. Like that was a career defining moment for both of them. Mm-hmm. And I still think that's one of the, if you had to, if I had to put the top five, best matches, you know, not just technically, but with story and everything involved, that's definitely in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I really hope it doesn't get her some heat either because, like, that division, although they're starting to bring it, like, they've got Tony Storm, they just brought in Athena, Brit's a big name, Thunder Rosa. They can still use some stars. And, I mean, Sheeta's a, the longest reigning women's champion. Or did yeah. Britt Baker end up – I don't remember if Britt – Held it longer? No, she didn't. She held it for a little over a year. Yeah, okay, like yeah. A, a year and a week or something like that. But even the end of her reign, it felt like they were just like, okay, she'd hold that because Britt Baker needs it here in a few months. You know, yeah, that's kind of what it yeah. felt like. But And another wrestler that kind of got sidetracked due to the pandemic too. Yeah, but she moved, like, she didn't move to Florida to do AEW full-time. Really? Yeah, she moved to the United States and stuff. So, I, I don't know. I... It's you know you can speculate until you're blue in the face on what's going on, and it could all be a big work and be part of the story, but most of the time it's not. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, that takes us to, in my personal opinion, 
the worst match of the night, the six-man or the six-person tag between Ty Conti, Sammy Guevara, and Frankie Kazarian versus Scorpio Sky, Ethan Page, and Paige Van Zant. Yeah, I, I don't think it was the worst match of the night, but I am so glad I don't ever have to see it again. Like, I'm so glad this story's over. I don't know. It just it seemed like a jumbled mess. Like, they didn't know what to do. And I, a lot of people are blaming Cody that, that they had this big story revolving around Cody and Sammy and stuff. I don't think that's true, honestly. I think they just tried something and it didn't work. Tony Khan seems to be a big fan of wrestling couples, which I think is a little weird. And I think when Sammy and Tay got together, he thought he could take it and do some stuff with it. Obviously, people hate it. And not just like, hey, these are heels. We should boo them. Hate it. They have legitimate like, heat. Yeah, with me. I, like, man, uh, what's his name? Not what's his name. Uh, Stu Grayson didn't get re-signed. And I was like, how are you going to let Stu Grayson walk away and keep Sammy Guevara? Mm-hmm. Like, Sammy's the only person I actively wish would not work at AEW. So... Yeah, I mean, he's incredibly talented, but he just seems to be very reckless at times with his own safety. And, I mean, he damn near fucking killed Matt Hardy. Yeah, a bunch of times. Like, not just once, like yeah. three different times. And I'll concede one was Matt Hardy's fault, mm-hmm. like when he jumped on the pavement. But, I, yeah, I, I'm i glad it's over, and I kind of hope I don't ever have to see Sammy and Tay again, to be quite honest. I'm sure I will, but... <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that... Uh, I mean, I guess if they're going to do something with him, just let him embrace, like, just become heel and just be done with it versus them trying to be a face tag team or face team. Like, this is another thing that didn't make sense. Is like men of the year are supposed to be heels. And I thought for at first when they did the Scorpio-Sammy rematch for Scorpio 1, I thought, okay, they're going to turn him face. And they just didn't mm-hmm. do it. And that was evident yeah. by the uh, – what they did to Frankie Kazarian. I don't know. Like, just this whole story thing was a mess. Um, and I'll be glad to see Scorpio move on to somebody else besides Sammy Guevara. Uh, Frankie Kazarian has been uh, really underused for quite a while. And, I mean, That's I guess his it was his whole cool. career story, though. Like, he's like, he's been that way since he, you know, he worked back in WWE and was under. Like, that's just who he's been, which mm-hmm. is sad. Um. But, yeah, just – I didn't really – it's like, okay, cool. It's nice to see him on pay-per-view, but eh, I'm just glad it's over. I, I, Paige Van Zant looked halfway decent in the ring. I mean, you could obviously tell that this was her first time. She didn't wow anybody. But I mean, she looked competent. Yeah, I'll say she was definitely greener than what I was expecting. I thought she had been training for longer than maybe she has been. And nothing against her. I mean, it's hard to be a professional wrestler. Like, it's mm-hmm. difficult. So, I think, uh, you know, she just needs more work. So, I hope they just give her a few matches to, to you know, or I don't know. I don't know what they can do. I don't really know how you train as a wrestler, I guess. But I just would like to see them put more work into her. I hope they don't just let her do her thing, which is what I feel they've done with Jade Cargill. I'll go back to that. I feel like they've just let her be without giving her – the resources she needs. I hope they don't do that with Paige Van Zandt. I hope they keep helping her out. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. But I would say Frankie Kazarian's spot where he was like cursing at Sammy and stuff. That was funny. I, I do like that. Um, that just fits Kazarian's character. Mm-hmm. 
so much. Like this guy with anger issues who's just like, what the hell are you two doing? Like yelling at him outside of the ring. I like that. It's sad to see what they what they're doing with Tay because she's a really good wrestler. Like she was really talented, and the character work she was doing was awesome. And like she was teaming with Anna Jay and hanging out with the Dark Order, all that stuff was cool. And now she's just like a valet for Sammy. Like that's crazy. That blows my mind mm-hmm. that she would rather do that than actually be legit because she could be in the title picture easy. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, like, and that's that's what I was going back to. Like they just need to make more stars in that division. I, I uh, touching on Paige again real quick. I think if she continues to work and get better, I think she's going to be a massive star in that company too. Mm-hmm. I mean, just between she has a name already, as superficial as this sounds, she's very she's an attractive woman, so that it also does help. You know, she's a, a known athlete, so I think a combination of that she works and gets better. I mean, I think she's just going to be a huge star. I I would like to see her and uh, Dane Lambert maybe break away from Sky and Page, and let Sky and Page sort of rise up a little bit. You know, go like you mentioned with uh, the House of Black, kind of step up and go on for a bigger, bigger opponent. Yeah, I would like to and see uh, Dan Lamb. I was just saying, I'd like to see Ethan and Scorpio move on from uh, Dan Lambert. I mean, he's, I think he's a good mouthpiece, but I think a lot of times what he says is just strictly for shock value. It gets a cheap pop, and then like that's it. And it's like Page, and like. I don't know, just watching, like, Ethan Page on his video vlogs and then seeing him with, like, Lambert, it just, to me, doesn't mesh very well. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, he definitely, he's such a nice guy in his vlogs, and then when he's doing the men of the year stuff, he's kind of, you know, being paired with such a dick like Dan Lambert, who he does say stuff for shock value. It, it always gets me, like, it makes me laugh. Like, I'm never, a, you know, I don't get offended that easily, but I know a lot of people are upset about, it, like, He's like, oh, anytime he talks about Ty Conte, he's calling her a whore. I was like, well, yeah, that's what a piece of trash would do to a lady. Like, that's what he's – like, that makes oh, yeah, sense to me coming yeah. from Dan Lambert. So I, I like him, and I think I, – I would like to see that. I don't think they would, specifically for what I just mentioned. I think they don't want him yelling at other female wrestlers and stuff. But I I like him, and I'm, I appreciate what he's done for AEW. Not that he's done a lot, but he's just been funny, and I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, I don't know, he's just this old curmudgeon that likes to crap on every. He crapped on his own hometown. Like, you know, he'll do whatever. <laughs> and him wearing the TNT title was just such a joke. I thought that was really funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did get a kick out of seeing, like, some, like, late 50s guy just rocking an old title belt. And it's like, okay, yeah. like, that would be me at a wrestling show wearing, like, an old TNT title belt with my beer gut hanging out. <laughs> like a plastic one with yeah. <laughs> with yeah. Now uh, I don't. We didn't mention it. The new TNT title looks amazing. I yeah, love it. that thing is phenomenal, and I kind of yeah, want that one now. So good. I know. I sent a picture to Dez because I you know he's not into wrestling, but he's a huge uh, Kobe fan. And I was like, hey man, I know you don't like wrestling, but check this out. And he thought it was pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think I don't think that was the worst match, but I'm just like the whole time I was watching, I'm just like, I hope this is it. I hope there's no after match angle or anything. Just please be done. And then they had that promo after where they were talking about how they're done with it. Thank, thank God. Mm. Um, uh, just uh, real quick, uh, next match was Darby Allen versus Kyle Riley. Nothing really. It was a, a decent match, but this is like we're at the point of the show where it's kind of you're kind of losing steam a little bit. 
And yeah, there's and really nothing really of note, at least to me, about this. Well, this was a filler match. This was the other one I was talking about. I don't know if I mentioned it or not, but this was added to give more time so that the last matches could go on after the games were over. Mm-hmm. And Tony Khan didn't outright say that, but he said they added to it and that they won the last three matches. So it, and it just makes sense that it happened that way. And I think it was an okay match. I think it was fine. Um, again, I don't, I don't really get the appeal of Kyle O'Reilly. He's an okay wrestler, but I don't understand why I'm supposed to like be excited about him. And I'm not that big on Darby either, so this match was just kind of mad for me. It's just weird they keep giving Darby losses, though. I think it's just to build him up as the resilient underdog. That makes sense, but there's, I don't know what. Again, I mean, I that's got to pay off at some point, though. Yeah, and it's relevant to this match because, again, Kyle O'Reilly is one of these new people who's now gone over uh, one of the pillars, right, of AEW, which is weird because I was just thinking, too, like Jungle Boy has lost like four, three or four single matches in a row. Mm-hmm. Like he's had more losses as a singles per- uh, like in the single divisions and I think actual like credible wins as tag team champion, which is just super weird to me. So I think there's, so, I don't know, there's something going on with these pillars and I just don't get, I just don't get it, I guess. Yeah. I said with these pillars, with these new wrestlers, I just don't get it. I don't understand it. I probably to justify the signing, you know, like, hey, you know, we've invested this money and we got to kind of, I mean, yeah, we got to show people, like, these people are worth what we, we brought them in for. So we got to kind of push them a little bit. Yeah, someone told me, like, O'Reilly needed a pay-per-view win or else he wouldn't be credible. And I guess that makes sense, but it's just weird to see Darby lose to Jeff Hardy, who pretty much no-sold his uh, his coffin drop, which uh, coffin drop's one of the most, like, protected or devastating finishers, which is, I don't know. Well, Maybe Darby, too, is one of those in. wrestlers that, like, Win or lose, he's going to be incredibly over anyway, so. Yeah, and he didn't have Sting with him, so yeah. maybe they'll do an angle with that. Like, yeah. He needs to learn how to win without Sting in his corner again. Um, yeah, I mean, I I think Darby's okay to withstand a loss, especially someone like Kyle O'Reilly. So, and maybe that sets you, up something down the road with, like, the uh, undisputed elite versus Darby and whomever. I mean, I don't think it will, but. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't know where either of them go after this either. So that's why the match just seemed kind of – there was no pre-build to it. It was just kind of like, hey, you hurt my friends, so we need to wrestle. And then I don't know what's happening after. But yeah, it, sometimes I just answered my own question. It was just a filler match. So Yeah, like sometimes yeah, even the, uh, the old WWE uh, pay-per-views, they would have like the Junkyard Dog versus like Harley Race. Like, okay, what's the point of this match? Like, yeah, we just needed a match. Junkyard Dog's popular. Harley Race, people hate him. Put them together. Yeah. They'll give us a good solid 10 minutes. I think that's what it was. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm just getting sort of spoiled maybe because during the pandemic, the pay-per-views didn't have as much of a build-up story. Like, they did what they could, but it was just more about putting on great matches. Mm-hmm. And maybe I just feel like the match quality doesn't justify that anymore. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I don't know. If they would have had, like, this banging awesome match – I, I wouldn't be ta- you know I wouldn't be calling it a filler match like I am. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I I think uh, this next match is when the tide starts to turn back to where the pay per view finally f- finds its footing and mm-hmm. closes out strong. Uh, the next match is uh, Serena Deeb challenging for the AEW Women's Title against Thunder Rosa. I think this is probably one of the better women's matches they've had in terms of a technical standpoint. I would I would agree now. 
two two things I come away with this match is one Thunder Rosa probably the best ring gear I've ever seen. Like that ring gear was fantastic. Oh yeah, it was just oh, really cool looking. Always cool. And like- I I always appreciate how Thunder Rosa has like just really kick ass wrestling gear all the time, and she doesn't do it like I can try to think of a nice way. She doesn't dress skimpy. It's probably the nicest way I'll say that. Like she just has cool ring gear, and this was more of it. And then I will say the match was great, but this is where BR Live cut out or uh, where Bleacher Board cut out a lot for me, and I had to reset my whole TV and stuff. Uh, But I will say when I came back in and I watched the end of it, Serena kind of looked gassed towards the end, which I've never seen her look gassed before. Mm -hmm. I don't know if she was playing, if it was like part of the story they were telling. Yeah, I think it's more the story, just the two just beating the hell out of one another. And just, you know, uh, Thunder Rosa had kind of a a second gear, like, you know, an extra gear that Serena didn't have. Um, It was nice to see... uh, to me, Thunder Rosa get a win. I think her reign, and I'll get into Hangman's here when we talk about that match. But like her, I think her run as the champion's been a little, little underwhelming. Oh man, a little underwhelming is the nicest way to say that. It's been crap, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, like she it, had the the brief thing with Nyla Rose, and then she's moved on to this. But I think it, uh, AEW's had a problem like making the champion seem as important as they should be. Yeah, for sure. And it's like they take a backseat to other people. And, like, I think it's – I think there's still plenty of time to make a big deal out of Thunder Rosa's uh, rings. I actually – I was talking to a friend of mine today. I think Tony Storm is probably, I would say, the next logical choice to challenge Thunder Rosa for the title. Established yeah. name. She's already went through Britt Baker. She's done Nyla, who seems to be kind of like – seems to be the gateway challenger. Like, okay, if you get through Nyla Rose, and then, okay, now you're a legitimate champion. So then we're going to mm-hmm. put you against other people. But um, I agree. I mean, you, I don't, my memory's terrible. This is the first pay-per-view without Nyla Rose, too, I think. I think so. Yeah. I was miss, you know, missing her on there. She's. I was really hard on her at first, but she's gotten a lot better mm-hmm. lately. She's doing awesome. And then, like, she's so damn hilarious, like, seeing her in the vlogs and stuff, like, she's really, like, oh, yeah. she's a really funny person, so. Um, I, I'm i sorry, go ahead, I keep cutting <clears throat> you off, dude, I'm sorry. No, you're good, man. Yeah, uh, like, I would, she's a, a wrestler that I like to see get, you know, a little bit, like, she seemed to be, like, I think it's sometimes she's, I think she suffers somewhat from uh, what Vader suffered from in the WWE, is, like, they she's supposed to be like the monster of that division, but yet you're not really portrayed as such. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I really think they should turn her face. I've been saying that for a long time and I know like the monster heel character is just really good, but I would love it if they, I think they were thinking about it cause they had Vicky Guerrero slap her one night and I would just love to see that happen again. And then she just attacks Vicky and then she comes out the next night saying like, you know, she, just went down the wrong path, didn't want to be a monster, and then she becomes, like, this heroic character who helps other people out. Mm-hmm. And that just gives her something to do without putting her in a title picture. Gives her more of a support role, but I think that would be really interesting for sure. Now, that could be a potential uh, challenger for Jade Cargill's T- TBS title, too. That would be an interesting yeah, dynamic true. to see, too. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think this match was kind of like – it's almost like, okay, like the natural progression of this was supposed to be the Owen Hart stuff. Then uh, you go into the Thunder Rosa match, which I thought was pretty good. I would say it's probably one of the best matches of the night from a technical standpoint. 
Yeah, how could it not be? I mean, they're both phenomenal. Regardless of their genders, they're both just phenomenal wrestlers. Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, Thunder Rosa could be, like, wrestling men and being completely believable and stuff. I think she's awesome. Mm -hmm. I've been a big fan of her since she debuted in TNA, like, before I even knew who she was and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know much about Serena Deeb. It's weird that they didn't bring up that Serena Deeb had beat Thunder Rosa before in the whole storyline. Really? She took... She she took Thunder Rosa's NWA title, mm-hmm. and they never brought that up once. I thought that was so weird. Like you got an angle right there, and they never did it. Yeah, uh, maybe it's one of those things where it's uh, okay. We we acknowledge that we had a partnership with NWA at one point, but you know, it's like NWA was like the loyal girlfriend that AEW had now, but now we've got the the younger, more attractive New Japan that we've got to. You know what I mean? It's like I w- part of me wonders if NWA has hard feelings about them taking some of their talent. That's that's what I thought because not that they took them, but during the pandemic, NWA just couldn't keep up, and so like Ricky Starks, who's huge, and Thunder Rosa, two of their biggest stars, were signed with them. Part Eddie of me Kingston was from feelings. NWA too. Yeah, Eddie Kingston. Man, I used to. I was gonna make me sound like a dick. I used to fast forward through his segments. Can you believe that shit? Yeah. And then. One day I couldn't find the remote, and I was like, I'll just watch it. And I was like, oh, he's really awesome. I feel like an idiot. God, Eddie, I forgot it. Yeah, Eddie Kingston, too. They're probably seeing Eddie Kingston right now, and they're like, man, we had these people, and now we don't. Yeah, so it was that, just, I think it's just one of those ones. things where I just imagine it's probably we can't pay you, but we also don't want to, like, we understand if you want to leave, you want to stay, awesome. But if you've got a better opportunity elsewhere, you should probably take it. So I think yeah. that's kind of like that deal. Um, that does lead yeah, me. In, go ahead. I was just say I just feel bad for NWA, but I think I I hope Thunder Rosa's title reign gets more gets exciting because she I think she took the belt off of Brit at the right time, but now like you said they're just like okay you're champion, that's it you're done. It, do you think it has anything to do with that? The three like major champions are all baby faces. I just think it's. Um... I think it's the same thing that's happened to Hangman's title reign. It's the fact that, let's be honest, Thunder Rosa's mic skills are mediocre at best. She, it, it, she's appeared on uh, some of. Uh, I know she's been on a couple of uh, Dan Housen's vlogs. Very, you know, very yeah. charismatic individual, but her promos seem very, very scripted and like she just stumbles through them and she doesn't really convey believability in some of them they are they are extremely forced it's like she's a really tough lady like i'm scared i would be afraid of her you know like if she was coming at me to fight i'd be very scared um but her promos come across like she wrote it down beforehand and she wants to come across like a big tough lady and that those usually don't that doesn't resonate and she could be one of those characters too that less is more Mm -hmm. but I don't know. It just it seems like she's kind of like the same thing with Adam Page's, where it's like they've got bigger stars and they've got bigger fish to fry, and like it just seems like the champions have taken a back seat because, I mean, you've got CM Punk who's in the promotion, who's arguably, I mean, they were still chanting his name at WWE events well after the you know the time he had left. Yeah. And then Brian Danielson is probably the best wrestler in the world. One of them. He's in the promotion now. Just I, I think the champions kind of took a backseat from 
bigger stars. And you know the the not being able to cut a great promo makes sense because like Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, their promos aren't the best either. Uh, well, that's I think that's why they got Christian, who is a phenomenal yeah. on the stick. So I think mm-hmm. I just that's unless they pair her with somebody else or they it's like hey, you don't have to say all this. You could say what well, would take five words. You can say it too. Do that. Man, what? Who was it? that was feuding with Eddie Kingston and they cut a promo and then Eddie Kingston come out with a mic and he looked like he was about to say something. And then he just threw the mic down and went to the ring and fought. Who was it? Was that Miro? I think it was. Yeah. That I would like to see more of that from Thunder Rosa. Like mm-hmm. just that. I'm not going to talk to you. I'm just going to beat the hell out of you. Type yeah. Mentality. Um, speaking of Eddie Kingston, the next match is, was my favorite match of the night it was the anarchy yeah. in the arena. Um, if you went into this expecting a technical masterpiece, you're not going to get it. You're probably going to get disappointed. Uh, this was just 10 dudes just beating the shit out of each other. <laughs> yeah. And I fucking loved every minute of it. Yeah, dude. It's so good. And this is when their buy rate started to increase. That, like, high six, low seven figure increase came right here. Um, and I, from what? from what Chris Jericho and Tony Khan were saying at the media scrum, like you could tell people were like calling their friends and they're like, dude, you got to order this and watch this right now. It's the craziest shit I've ever seen. Gave me, uh, was that M- that UFC fight Forrest Griffin and the other dude where oh. that happened, where it was just like this crazy, awesome fight. And oh, Stefan Bonner. People, that was the uh, yeah. finale of the ultimate fighter. It had like that kind of feel to it where it was just like, what the hell is happening? Like so they left the music on. Like that was insane. That Which was I love idea. that. It was a such a cool nod to. Uh, did you watch much ECW? Uh, not a lot, but that was uh, nod to New Jack, right? Yeah, uh, when yeah. New Jack would fight, uh, his theme song was uh, "Natural Born Killers," and they played it through the entire match, and it just added this really cool dynamic to his matches. It just it played on loop until the match was over. And I thought this is where they were going to. And I thought that was a really cool, uh, like Jericho got pissed off. So he just ripped the fucking soundboard out. Cause yeah. he got tired of hearing and the music. God, that was so, that was just, it was like vintage Chris Jericho, right? Mm-hmm. Like classic Jericho move. But as I don't have a single bad thing to say about this match, except the ending just seemed weird. Like, like Brian Danielson was obviously not unconscious. Like that's that's the only issue I would have with that. That was a brutal looking finish, though. That would look- yeah, it was. I don't know. It was maybe maybe I'm just unhappy with it, like with who won. But I don't know. I think Jericho Appreciation Society needed the win more. I was gonna sure. say I think they needed it too because I think I still think that Eddie and Chris have to have their blow off match just the two of them. Mm-hmm. And I think it sells better if Eddie's the underdog and Jericho's got this win over him versus if they won it the other way. I think if it wouldn't have made sense if uh, Eddie and those guys won, but yet, you know, there was no, like, blow-off. Because Jericho and Eddie didn't even really touch each other outside of the fact that Eddie Kingston was uh, trying to murder Chris Jericho with gasoline. Well, at the beginning, they went right after each other. But, yeah, dude, him coming down with that gasoline. And I am just knew, I'm like, man, he's going to pour that on Danielson, too. <laughs> like, that's going to yeah. be bad. Yeah. Um, Which oh, is, gosh. That was a risky move, considering how expensive gas is at the moment. That probably had to be at least, <laughs> like, $300 worth of gas in that tank. <laughs> right. A bunch of people watching it, like, oh, man, that's a waste. I ain't watch wrestling anymore. It's like, what the fuck I are you doing? Saying, 
I'm just assuming it's not. It wasn't real gasoline. Props to Jericho for selling it like it was, though. He kept wiping himself off and like freaking out and wiping his face. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty pretty awesome. Um, big thing now is now that uh, Brian Danielson kind of interceded and prevented a murder from happening. Is like what's going on with that now? Like, is that just a kind of a like a one shot deal, or is Eddie got is the Danielson going to be in that feud now, or I I don't know where they're going to take it. Uh, did you Did you watch the media scrum with Chris Jericho? I tried to watch some of it today, but having a three year old daughter makes shit no, watching like you. that virtually impossible during the day. So the original plan was for the match to happen, and then Chris Jericho and uh, Eddie Kingston shake hands and then become a team. And then Moxley would team up with them. And then the three of them would just go on a tear was the original plan. And then Chris Jericho said he saw Brian Danielson's promo where he mentioned John Moxley. And he's like, fuck, I probably won't be able to do this now. So they started the Blackpool Combat Club. Oh, is this um, where uh, they wanted Daniel Garcia? And then Jericho said, well, it would make more sense for like Daniel Garcia to join him because he already had that thing with 2.0. Yeah, and which is the right call because – Daniel Garcia doesn't need any help with his wrestling. In my opinion, he needs help with his character work, which mm. is coming along great in my opinion. But like uh Inner Circle breaking up was just never even part of the part of the plan. They did that because Eddie Kingston broke his orbital bone. So they did something with Santana and Ortiz versus Jericho and Hager and then I just he described the way this happened and it was just so organic and just so by happenstance. And I think that's what made this match as great as what it was because it just kind of fell together. Mm-hmm. It wasn't as scripted. It wasn't as, you know, it hadn't been set up for years. It was just so organic and so natural. And that's, I think that's, that's in my opinion, when wrestling's at its best. Yeah. Actually, if you get a chance, uh, we're, we're recording on a Monday night. Um, Jericho, uh, Jericho's uh, talk is Jericho podcast comes out uh, on Wednesdays and Fridays. And on his Friday episode, it's basically it's about the formation of the Jericho Appreciation Society. The whole episode, it's got all of them on it, and they go into That's depth awesome. on what happened. So yeah, I, I when you started to talk about that, I was like, okay, yeah, I heard about this on Friday. So yeah, I'm definitely gonna gonna listen to that. I haven't listened to this podcast in a while. I kind of go in and out of it, but I just man, I don't think there's a better professional in wrestling than Chris Jericho right now. The dude just reinvents himself over and over the the whole wizard thing. Like that's just ridiculous that that's over that. He's like throwing fireballs in people's faces. Yeah. I kind of dig that too. Uh, I actually pro wrestling tees had a uh, Memorial day promotion and I had told myself like, okay, I'm going to buy uh, the Jericho wizard shirt that they're selling now. And I completely forgot about it until Oh man actually about half an hour ago i just we were talking and like shit i didn't order that shirt man again he explained how that came to be and he just they did the fireball thing and he said wizard and then he saw people on twitter talking about it and like making memes with chris jericho's face on gandalf Mm -hmm. and he's like well hell i'll just go into the he's dude he's a genius and he really knows where like what's the phrase like where the heartbeat is of Mm -hmm. of wrestling and i i just love it now he's I bet I don't know. I like to think that Hulk Hogan is watched him do that and then cried himself to sleep, <laughs> like a good fireball in wrestling. Oh yeah. Oh, I've started trying to think like, what is he talking about? Like, oh yeah, he yeah. tried to throw the one the Ultimate Warrior and it failed. <laughs> yeah. Fucking now, miserably. Now to be fair, I'm sure 
both of Jericho's were pre-recorded in case it didn't work out right. Oh yeah. But yeah, dude, this was such a fun match. Like I think it was a nice break from like, you know, the technical stuff and just Jericho seems to be like the king now of these double or nothing gimmick matches. Third one in a row. Yeah. yeah he, and he even said like, they want to just, he just wants to keep doing new stuff and the, uh, the anarchy in the arena. They were like, he was just sitting around trying to think of a way to make stadium stampede work now. And they just came up with something different. I think he's going to keep doing it. I mean, didn't he come up with money in the bank? He did. He was one of the, yeah. uh, creators of that money in the bank match too. Yeah. The dude is just, he is the smartest, like he's just the most brilliant mind in wrestling. And I don't want to seem like I'm like in love with him or anything, but he's fantastic. Oh no. Uh, in my, uh, top 10 wrestlers of all time, Chris Jericho is closer to the top five than he is the top ten. I'll just put it to you like that. We should yeah. do a uh, Greatest Wrestlers of All Time episode at some point on here. Yeah, that'd be awesome. But I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I – I mean, I'd be down for that. But I, I don't know. I guess it's already – in my mind, everyone knows who the greatest wrestler of all time is, so why bother doing a list for it? I don't know. Hey, it's all subjective, man. That's true, yeah. I'd have uh I'd have people in there I'm sure people wouldn't expect. Or like it, best matches of all time, that'd be cool too. It's it's your list, so yeah, you can do whatever you want. I've got I've got some of those episodes cooking in the on the pot. Oh, right on. Pot, so yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to I didn't mean to uh let the cat out of the bag or anything. I, dude, like I said, seventeen people listened to last week's episode, so those seventeen people are like fucking <laughs> ruin the surprise, but like the other billion people that are on planet Earth, like will never listen to this. No, nah, I don't say that, man. All right, one of them will. One of them will discover. I'll, I'll listen to this episode eighteen times, and then, and then oh. we'll see what's up. <laughs> cool. I can try to get you know uh, endorsement deals. Like, see, I doubled my off my uh, audience from last week. Um. Well, yeah, I think I don't know. I don't know what else to say about this match. I feel like there's more that needs to be said about it, but it's just I hate this. It's just classic Jericho. Like he's so good, and then. Oh, you just happen to have some of the best wrestlers in the business right now in that match too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, just uh, Moxley's so much fun to watch, and I feel like he's been not as great since he lost the title. I know he's going through some personal stuff, but I think teaming him with Danielson, I was so against that the first night, and then their match together was amazing, and then Regal got involved. It just everything about it is fantastic. Oh, I am a huge Blackpool Combat Club dude. I, as a matter of fact, I text you. I was trying to figure out what shirt to buy from Pro Wrestling Tees. I ended up buying that one. As like, because yeah. you were the, like, you were the deciding vote on that. Yeah, dude, it's just cool. And at first, I was like, Blackpool Combat Club. That is that going to work? And then yeah, it just has an awesome ring to it. And yeah, I think having I, William Regal helps because he's so phenomenal on the mic. Not that like Moxley and Danielson needed it, but he's so good on the mic. And then like Wheeler Yuta has been a fucking revelation. Yeah. I think, yeah, I was sad not to see Yuta here, but he, I don't, I don't know. I don't think he would have shined as much in this. Yeah, match. he was, uh, been a waste, but. he was doing, uh, oh, uh, the New Japan, uh, tournament, the King of the Juniors oh, or something okay. like that. He's doing that. That's why he wasn't involved in it. Okay. I was wondering where Regal was at too, but maybe Regal's with him. It could have been. Uh, I mean, I well not only that you couldn't have really like Kingston Santana and Ortiz have like a personal reason to be involved in this match so like it would have been silly to take one of those guys out for Wheeler Yuta so yeah 
But yeah, I think I don't know. I think it's fantastic. Who? So I don't know if we've talked about this before, but who do you think if they add another person to Blackpool, who do you think it'd be, or who would you like to see? I, I thought it might have been. Uh, they mentioned him. I thought it would have been uh, Lee Moriarty. Uh, I don't know, man. That's that's a good question. I never really thought about it. It have to be somebody in the mold of like what Danielson and Moxley do. So you couldn't get like like a Dante Martin, somebody like that. I don't yeah. think they would really fit. Uh, I don't know. Like, who who would you think? Honestly, I I have a hard time thinking about it. I know I mentioned Jamie Hayter. I think she'd be cool, but I don't know. I don't know how that dynamic would work really well. Most people don't want to see women like beat the ever loving shit out of each other like they do men. Uh, even though Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa did it, and it was phenomenal. But mm-hmm. I think. I don't know. I just try and think of some people who really need the boost and who would also take advantage of it. And there's not any strong candidates that come to mind, honestly. The people who would be awesome, I don't think, need it as much. Right. And plus, like, there's so many factions now, too. It's like you'd almost have to pick somebody off of one. Yeah. And maybe, so, like, maybe somebody who's not in the company yet would be kind of cool or um, – I mean, we talked Danielson and Cesaro are, like, really close friends, and I know Regal loves Cesaro. Cesaro. That'd be kind of a cool. Yeah, and I see. I actually thought he was going to show up last night. Really? Mm-hmm. No, no, like, major ending surprise. I know we had uh, Ember Ember Moon, right? Yeah, Athena and then uh, Athena. Malcolm Bivens showed up in the, uh, in the uh, Jade Cargill match. But, yeah, there really wasn't, like, a huge reveal or anything. Yeah, not even an angle at the end of a pay-per-view for the first time in a while. So, I'm just trying to go through the roster real quick and see who might be like a good fit. I mean, honestly, the best fit would be Hook, but Hook's got his own thing going on right now. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Hook would be a good fit because I don't think he'd respect Re- William Regal. <laughs> yeah, I think um, uh, I know. Uh, I'm a huge Anthony Agogo fan, but I have other things I want him to do. Oh, I know who uh, Angelico. I wouldn't mind seeing Angelico do it. Now yeah. that Jack Evans is gone, they need something for him to do. I think that'd be pretty sweet because he is a really good tech. Like, he blows – like, I underrate him every time I see him, and he's just a really good wrestler. Well, so if he'd be up for something like that, that'd be pretty cool. As long as it's not QT Marshall. No. <laughs> um, I want – dude, I want a go-go to just beat the hell out of Marshall so bad and talk about how he found a different manager and then Kurt Angle's music hits. That's what I want that – I dream about that. You know, I, I don't know I, – I, Kurt Angle, to me, seems like at this point in his career, I think it's either for him WWE or bust. Because I know, yeah. like, they've – they teased that he was going to come back for something, and then, like, it never happened. But, yeah, he just seems like at this point in his career, he's going to be a WWE guy through and through. Yeah, I, I think you're right. It'd be – It'd be cool, but he's. I think he's pretty much done with wrestling too. But I don't know, man. You offer him enough money and offer him like a management spot. Yeah, like I mean anybody just will be do what it. Sting's doing for Darby or Rick. What Rick Flair's doing now? No, man, he's wrestling again, right? Yeah, um, at Starcast, it's a big wrestling convention. Which I'm actually, I'm trying to go to that. It's, oh yeah, it's SummerSlam weekend. Um, but yeah, he's. Uh, he's wrestling. The rumor is it's supposed to be him and FTR against the Rock and Roll Express and somebody else. And I guess they offered it to Steamboat, and Steamboat declined. 
Oh, okay. So I don't know who, who would be now, but I mean, truth be told, I, I really have no interest in seeing a Ric Flair retirement match. I think he's pissed on his, like, I honestly, I think at this point in his career, he's kind of tarnished his legacy. Yeah, they, that's probably why he wants to do it to sort of try and get back a little what he's lost. I mean, realistically, though, I don't think he could have went out any better than he did when he wrestled Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania. I mean, that was a perfect way to go out, and he comes yeah, back. Yeah, but and, he, he likes to come back. He had, like, a big retirement from WWE and then showed up in TNA. Like, you know, that's just Oh, that stuff was rough do. to watch. Like, that match with him and Hogan where they're just bleeding yeah. like crazy. I'm like, this is, this is awful. I still, the one good, in my opinion, the one good thing about him and TNA was him and uh, Jay Lethal's promo where they just wooed at each other. That's yeah, that, only, that was good. I mean, that was worth it, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, we could have gotten that. As a manager, yeah, totally cool. Also, dude, I know exactly who needs to go to combat uh, Blackpool Combat Pl- Club next. Luther. Calling it now. You think? Because I, I know uh, him and Jericho are friends, and I think uh, Luther's like kind of one of those guys that he's kind of an older wrestler who's just there to kind of help out younger guys. He's more like uh, kind of in the QT Marshall mode where they're more like in Dustin Rhodes where they're they're still there. But and honestly, now that I think about it, Dustin Rhodes wouldn't be half bad. I was just making a joke when I said Luther just because I'd love to hear him scream. Like oh, I thought, I thought you were serious. No, man. I was like, making a joke. <laughs> no, I was making a joke. I, li- I like Luther. I'm glad he wasn't because uh, he was originally the exalted one. I'm glad that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. But who knows? It might If it did, he might be awesome. Yeah. Right now. Who knows? But, yeah, I've he was on Talk is, Talk is Jericho a long time ago, and he kind of just said that he's along for the ride. Yeah. Which is cool. Um, next match is the, uh, the tag team triple threat match between uh, Jurassic Express Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland and Powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky Starks. This is a fun match. Um, I was a little surprised. I thought Jurassic Express was going to lose. This is what I thought Christian was going to do the heel turn here. Yeah, I think everyone expected that, and maybe that's why they didn't. But I'm I I was I was more surprised out of this match than any other as far as how good it was. Honestly, I think all six. I think people are giving Luchasaurus a lot of shit for no reason. Honestly, I think. Uh, he had a couple of things that he could have done better, but there was a few botches that just weren't his fault, in my mm. opinion. I'm a big fan of Luchasaurus, and I just think he gets a lot of heat for botching stuff that's not really on him. But all six competitors were phenomenal in this. Mm. Like, totally blew me away. I didn't even, I didn't give a crap about Swerve Strickland when he debuted, and now I get so excited because he's such a good wrestler. Oh, Swerve is awesome. I was telling my son, I let him stay up last night to watch this, and I told him... When that match started, I was like, keep an eye on Swerve Strickland, dude. That guy is amazing. Yeah, him and Keith Lee is such a good pair, too. I didn't think, you know, when Keith Lee debuted, I was like, man, what are they going to do with him? Because he's awesome, but I don't want him to just get lost in the shuffle. And I think this tag this tag team that's probably happened by accident is phenomenal. That backflip he does off of Keith Lee mm-hmm. is so good. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, man... Keith Lee is a fucking marvel. Like, just seeing a guy that size move the way he does. I, the minute WWE let him go, like, I thought, like, why, why in the hell, out of anybody you could have let go, why do you let this guy walk? This guy's a star. They turned him into, what, the Bearcat or the Bobcat or some shit? Yeah, uh, Bearcat Keith Lee. 
turned Gaffer. him into uh, who was the in WCW the how oh, the was it the fat chick thriller or something like that. Oh, uh, it wasn't quite. You talking about Mike Awesome? Yeah, it wasn't quite that so, bad, yeah. but yeah, I, that I, was I just, a horrible like, gimmick. <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. It's like, man, is this just to humiliate Keith Lee before they fire him? You mm. know, like I thought that was so crazy. He is. I love his gimmick in this. He's just. This is might come across weird, so I'll apologize. But I always tell Mercedes, Keith Lee just always looks like he's about to make sweet love to me, and I don't. <laughs> and I'm so confused by it. Like his just his facial expression. I'm just like, what does he expect from me? I don't know what to do. But I'm here for it. He's phenomenal. Uh, he was on Jericho's podcast not too long ago, and just like hearing him talk for an hour, I was like, "Fuck, man, why can't I sound like that guy?" Yeah, right. But yeah, they that to do a voice on the Knights of Degradation, do like a sexy bugbear voice or something. I don't know. <laughs> hey, you never know, man. I, I heard he's a he's a gamer, so maybe he ventures hey. into that realm too. But yeah, he's good, and uh, Starks and Hobbs are awesome too, man. I They're, those I two are incredibly underrated. underrated. They yeah, don't get Hobbs. enough. Dude, Hobbs is that spine buster he put on uh, on Keith Lee a few weeks ago. I still think about that. I'll still look it up and just watch it. Just that ten second clip of that spine buster. And it's really cool. nice seeing him progress too. He's getting so much better each week as a wrestler too. Well, having Taz mentor him is gene like you couldn't ask for. Like he has Taz mentoring him and hopefully helping him with his wrestling and technique. And then you have Ricky Starks who. I mean, he's still young, but man, can he talk? That dude it oozes charisma. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nick Aldis to thank for that. I think I don't I don't know how true this is, but I think Nick Aldis said he saw Ricky Starks on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And got NWA to hire him. Oh yeah, I did. I did hear something about that. Yeah. So, dude, he's I I really like Ricky Starks. Now, I there's rumors that he has backstage heat now too, though, which scares me. I don't want him to go anywhere, but no, uh, that's. I don't know, like that's I, I love the internet wrestling community and I also hate it. I, I've always said that there are three fan bases that are the absolute best and worst at the same time, and it's the uh Star Wars community, the heavy metal community, and the internet wrestling community. Yes. Yeah. It's it just like they make shit up all the time just like for stories and just I don't know. I, I, I have a hard time believing half the stuff anymore. And it just seems to be getting worse. Like with the MJF stuff broke, I've seen so many different reasons on why that happened. I'm like, okay, I'm just not even going to dig into it. I saw people who were like, I'm done with him. How dare he? This is so ridiculous. Like, dude, like I, t- I always tell Mercedes, no one hates wrestling more than wrestling fans. Oh, dude, yeah. That's how, how they are. And yeah, how, it's sufferable. I try not to be like that, but I get like that sometimes too. Like I was, I was really getting into the MJF stuff just because I could sort of empathize with his point of view, but – I tried not, you know, I didn't get on the internet and throw around expletives at people I didn't know. Right. And I just thought it was funny that MJF got shit for doing the same thing. Well, kind of the same thing that uh, Sasha and Naomi did. They were heralded as heroes because it was the WWE, but then MJF does it to AEW and he's a fucking asshole for it. Yeah. And, you know, nowhere, there's no such thing as like a paradise when it comes to a job. That's anywhere. I mean, yeah, it doesn't exist, so. I think you and I know that very well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, I, I don't know. To harken back to MJF, I, I remember what it feels like to, you know, I don't want to get into details, but when they bumped everyone's pay up at the same and then all these new people came in and then I've been busting my ass there for years, 
Mm. They're making the same amount, and then they get more hours. I, you know, I get that frustration. So sorry, we need. To, I need to stop talking about MJF because I'm just. I don't know. I guess I'm worried about him. Uh, but <laughs> I yeah, hope you can sleep tonight. Oh yeah, it'll be fine. Um, but yeah, Hobbs and Stark, dude, they're so underrated. And I know Stark has the FTW title, but the sooner he can get like a more legitimate title on him, the better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think some stuff's going to open up, too, once, like, Ring of Honor becomes a thing, too, because I see some of these guys migrating over there. Some of these guys that don't get a lot of publicity and, like, a lot of, like, TV time, I can see them migrating over there and becoming something. Yeah, we talked Kazarian, I think, is a shoe-in for Ring of Honor, mm-hmm. honestly. I think his style and his personality fits that really well. I don't know. I, I hope Starks and Hop stay in AEW. I think yeah, I do, too. Like, they're not originals, you know, put that in quotes, what people would say originals. But uh, Tony Khan did say something cool, like that tag match was like original AEW with Lucha Boy, Lucha Boy, Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy, and then COVID era AEW with Hobbs and Stark, and then current AEW with Lee and uh, Swerve. Yeah. I think that dynamic was really cool. I wish it would have been played up more. Yeah. Yeah, you could have uh, had legit heat, just like you're trying to – you know, these new guys that just basically get paid now, like, okay, you're trying to take our spot. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I think that would have been cool, but I just, man, uh, what was it? Luchasaurus did that dive to the outside. No, he, he threw Ricky Starks out and then Ricky Starks landed on his neck. Uh, and then I think Keith Lee just was like, Oh my God. I just knew it. I popped <laughs> it when he did that. Uh-huh. Um, right. Dez, Dez always does that. We'll have to have him on the show, or at least, like, record that sound clip. Yeah, that should be, a, like, your transition. That'd be great. Yeah, like, the shit of the week we couldn't believe. Like, oh, my God. You better do that, because if you don't, I'm doing it. (laughs) All right, deal. Uh, I'm going to trademark that right now. All right, I'll back off. Uh, Last match of the night uh, for the AEW World Championship, Hangman Adam Page versus CM Punk. Uh, CM Punk went over on this one to become the new AEW World Champion. Uh, the only title change of the night, which was kind of weird, but um, I'll ask you, uh, do you think AEW made the right call giving it to Punk, or do you think Paige deserved a little bit of a longer reign? Oh, that's a tough question because I'll start. I'll lay the foundation and say I'm not a fan of Punk. Uh I think he's a good wrestler. I got really excited when he came to AEW. I just don't like what he's been doing. Nothing against his personal character or anything like that. He's probably a cool dude. I don't like how they've just been like, hey, look what we have. And they, like, take Punk out, and he opens up every show for months and months. Um, And I'm a big fan of Hangman, so my opinion is going to be slanted because I've been following the Hangman story since AEW started, and it's one of the most emotional, well-told stories in all of wrestling since Mm. I've been alive. I've been watching and I feel like they might have sacrificed that entire story and build up to put a belt on a guy just to get a draw that's that's what it feels like to me whether or not it's true I won't know for a few months probably Mm. but that's what it feels like and I think Tony Khan's full of shit when he says that you know that this was always the plan or that that it's it was the right time and stuff during the media scrum he was so defensive about Hangman, and he said, he said, you know, he, well, I don't remember his exact words, so I'll paraphrase, but he said, a lot of people wouldn't have even give Hangman gave Hangman a chance at the title, considering the time he took off. But I did, and, st- and I, that just made me feel 
I just thought that was a shitty thing to say to like, well, you're lucky you even had the title because you took off time because you had a daughter. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I don't like that at all. And I don't like, I don't like what CM Punk has brought to AEW so far. So it, I want to lay that down just, just so I can set that. Um, so people know how biased I am. I, I, all things considered, I do think it was the right call to take the belt off hangman. I just wish it wasn't on punk because uh, hangman's, Hangman's reign was so bad, and like I love him to death, but man, it was rough. It was really rough. Like almost no credible stories, nothing exciting. His first match was that time limit draw. I think they made a lot of missteps, and I think they could have done a correction by having him lose it and then maybe even win it again. I don't know, but I don't like that it's on Punk because I don't. I see what Punk brings financially, and it just feels like a financial decision, which bothers me. Mm. Sorry, that was a really long-winded to say no. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh I know for me like I'm Hangman's my favorite wrestler in AEW. Huge fan of him. I even became uh a bigger fan when he kind of was do- like the cowboy shit stuff. I'm like, yeah. okay, like I put like put my eggs in that basket like, okay, this is my guy. Um I was really hoping that him I was hoping he would have won because I think it would have legitimate it would have made his title reign legitimate. Because he would have essentially knocked off like the three big free agent acquisitions AEW's made in the last year. He would have beaten Danielson. Yeah. He would have beaten Cole, and then he would have beaten Punk. So it would have been one of those things where, like, okay, like these guys we brought in are phenomenal champions. They're probably going to be future champions in our promotion. But our homegrown guy beat all three of them. Mm-hmm. That would have been. You're right. That would have been amazing. I like Hangman started to get like paranoid about losing his title too it seemed like and maybe that would have been a cool angle to play too where he doesn't really go heel but he just gets so shitty and so intense about losing his championship and i like during one of the promos cm punk he's like i don't know why you're taking it so personal and i was like well because you're trying to take away the thing hangman's been working for for the last two years and the thing hangman like lost his friends because of and like this whole big you're trying to ruin all of that but they didn't really play that angle for it which i thought was disappointing mm-hmm yeah, I, I mean, like I said, I get like CM Punk is essentially the face of the company. I'm actually a very big fan of CM Punk. I've always been a fan of his, even in his Ring of Honor days. And I mean, I get it, but I also, I think it goes back to like needing it more. I mean, like CM Punk is CM Punk. He's the arguably the one of the biggest stars of like the last twenty years, and he didn't even wrestle for seven of them. I agree. Yeah, it's crazy that he didn't wrestle for seven years, and then just the rumor that he might be there sold out a whole arena. Yeah, you know, so that, I mean, that's insane. you don't need it unless they're doing that to, like, okay, well, we're gonna put. He's gonna defend the title. Okay, he's gonna go against Hobbs. Ricky Starks is gonna get a shot at the title. Kind of like you know, like okay, if you're gonna use that as like a way to build up stars, I'm totally cool with it, but. I really hope that this isn't one of those things like, okay, Hangman gets lost in the shuffle, and then he becomes like not like an upper mid-tier guy. Like, you know, if you need him to main event a pay-per-view, he can, but he's not going to be the focal point of the stories anymore because I think his title reign, I don't think it's really anything for him because, I mean, like the stuff with Danielson was great. The stuff with Archer was awesome. Like that was an awesome Texas death match with him and Archer on Dynamite that one night. 
Yeah, it's just that his matches have been phenomenal. I don't want to discredit. Again, Hangman Page is, I guess, with the exception of Hook, is my favorite wrestler in AEW, like the most entertaining. And his matches are fantastic. It's the stories and the buildups that I think are falling so short. Yeah, it's just, I think it was back to just AEW kind of putting less of an emphasis on the champions and making, like, Punk and... Danielson, like more of the focal point of the the stories, because I mean, like even at uh, Revolution, I mean, uh, Hangman and Cole went on last, but like the the match that everyone seemed to talk about was Punk and MJF in the dog collar match, mm-hmm. and just I don't know, I, I think that both the champions have just kind of fallen victim to not feeling as important, and I think. They need to get away from. They need to go back to. And if CM Punk does that, if he makes the championship feel important again, cool. I'm totally cool with it. But I think, you know, I just I don't want to see Hangman get lost in the shuffle again. Yeah, I. That's what I'm really worried about too. And I just don't know how he doesn't after this. Honestly, like I really don't. I mean, he could do a full heel turn, I guess. But who? who do you put up against him? Like what, what story do you tell now with hangman that doesn't involve the title and stuff? I guess you could do stuff with the elite. I don't know. I don't know. I will say this is just the first time where I'm not confident. Even when AEW's done stuff I didn't like, I always be like, well, I don't like that, but I definitely trust him and I want to see where it's going. This is the first time where I'm like, man, there's a lot of things going on that I'm not excited about. I was talking to Mercedes about how I might take a break from wrestling, like just take a couple months where I don't watch it and then come back to it and try and get excited again. I'm not going to do that, but I'm not going to, like I'm probably not going to watch it live and stay up on Wednesdays to watch it. I'll probably watch it like Thursday morning or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, no. I think some of this, uh, I'm thinking, well, I mean, I guess they don't really need to sell it because they fucking sold out the United Center, but I think this sets up Punk versus Okada or Punk versus Osprey at Forbidden Door. I was I was more uh, page keeping the title too because I think a champion versus champion match. If you do Okada versus Punk, you kind of know what the outcome is going to be. Like neither one of these guys are going to win both titles. I could be wrong, but I don't see somebody walking away with two championship belts. Whereas, if you put Punk against Okada for the New Japan World Championship, and then you have like Hangman versus Osprey for the AEW title, like okay, a little bit of intrigue now, like. Is Osprey going to win the, the AEW title and become the champion there? Is Punk going to win the belt from Okada? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I think you said like two great matches instead of one great match. But yeah, it just makes more sense to me. Yeah. I don't so, know. But, but I, I don't know what kind of deal they have with New Japan either, though. It could be a thing where we're like New Japan's like, yeah, we'll work with you, but our guys aren't losing or something. You know what I mean? It could be, could be something like that. Do you think uh, Omega's going to come back by then, or do you think he'll come back that night? I have heard that oh, Kenny Omega seems to just – he keeps having setbacks, and he's just not – he's not healing as quickly as he would like. Yeah. Um, all right. I don't um, want him to rush back. No. For sure. They I want need, him to take all the time he needs. They need, they need Kenny Omega back. <laughs> yeah. You, you don't realize how much you missed him until he's gone. Do you see? Do you watch uh, BTE? Uh, every great once in a while. He had a short little segment where he was trying to get a hold of people. He called the Young Bucks and they didn't answer. 
and he called Cody, and he's like, that's weird. Cody usually answers. Oh. I just thought that. I thought that's really funny. <laughs> I'll have to check that one out. Um, real quick before we wrap uh, things up, uh, biggest winner, biggest loser of the night. Um, I don't know. I think, oh, that's a tough one. Sorry, I'm going back through the matches here. I mean, I guess the biggest winner has to be everyone involved in the Anarchy in the Arena match. I don't think I can pick a specific person, but just that. I think we're all winners from that match, but mm-hmm. I just think, dude, that like you said, that was 10 dudes just beating the hell out of each other in one of the most entertaining ways possible. So I think I think all 10 of those guys, like that match itself would be the biggest winner. And for me, the biggest loser is just the... I was, I'll say it's a tie for those two those two matches that were just in there for Phila, Jade and uh, Jade's match and Kyle O'Reilly and um, Darby, Darby's match. Yeah, I think you know no build up, no story, no nothing. I just thought those were duds. Mm. Um, for me, biggest winner Wardlow came out of that match looking like a star. I'd say he's the biggest winner. Biggest loser is Hangman because now where does he go from here? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Wardlow definitely came out amazing. I can't wait. Like, man, I'm so excited to see what he does next. I know you were say, you were pro Wardlow before I was. Yeah, I think moving moving forward, he's probably going to be the most excited. Like, I want to see what he does next more than anybody else. I'm just really nervous about it. I don't I don't think they have any idea, honestly. Yeah, I think I think Tony Khan is so obsessed with Punk. He doesn't really – he's not thinking and booking the way he normally does. Yeah, I'm curious to see what – I at him. I mean, he's a billionaire. He knows what he's doing. But I just think – I think he cares way more about Punk than he's letting on. Mm. And I think – I just think he's letting it kind of cloud everything else. I know I'm going to go into AEW programming for the time being, not taking anything they, they're doing too seriously because I think they're really just prepping for a forbidden door. I think once that's over – that's when you can start reinvesting into what's going on in that promotion. But Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe, I don't know, I really do think I could use some time off just to cool off, but I, I also don't want to miss anything awesome that happens. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, uh, if you decide to just, like, see what's going on, uh, Bleacher Report, uh, watching stuff on that kind of stinks, but their app is pretty cool if you want to catch up on sports and stuff. So, uh, Yeah, I appreciate it, but... Once they refund me, I will never do business with them. <laughs> Fair I, enough. I I was I was so livid at the way that worked, and I guess part of it too is my fight TV didn't work, which I didn't know about until like seven thirty. Mm-hmm. So well, it was a little bit before seven thirty when I found out the VPN wouldn't work. So yeah, that's just a big mess. But I blame Bleacher Report for all the hassle I had for sure. And it's you know you pay fifty freaking dollars for something you want to sit and watch it, not sit and watch it for ten minutes and then the app crashes and you have to reload it and. Yeah, that's, and I'm all about getting drawn in, and that just kills any sort of momentum yeah. or ten, you know, tense uh, intensity that I had. So that's kind of a bummer. All but, right, big takeaway from this program tonight is Bleacher Report. Get your shit together. Yeah, or Tony Khan, like figure out a different way to to get your programming to people because it's not it's not working. I don't know why they don't do Fight TV in the United States. I really don't. Yeah, I don't get it either. Um, real quick before we uh, let you go, Cole. Uh, your podcast, The Knights of Degradation, uh, be coming back soon. Uh, plug away. Yeah, so uh, Knights of Degradation is a 
the Dungeons and Dragons audio adventure is kind of what we call it. We take a Dungeons and Dragons campaign, we record it, and then we edit it to sound more like an audio drama, like an old-timey radio show. Sound effects, high-quality music, voiceovers, stuff like that. Uh, it's very entertaining. We've been on hiatus for about eight months uh, because I had a I had a baby, and then we each took turns having COVID. So that's just kind of how it goes. But we're getting ready to make our big comeback. Uh, we got some great episodes coming. Our last episode was a big cliffhanger, so we're excited to kind of resolve that. But we have some other cool stuff coming, new website, new blog. Uh, we're going to have membership options. And we've been – this is like a – First, I haven't really told anyone this yet, but we're working with an artist who has done some short cartoons based on clips from our show, which we're really excited about. So, is that breaking news? Of, yeah, it's breaking news. First time I've ever ever mentioned it to anybody. So, Cole, tonight you have made my a dream of mine come true, and I feel like a legitimate journalist now. I have something <laughs> that I have brought out into the world has broke some news. So, thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely, man. They're, I've seen the uh, storyboards for them. They're hilarious. They're going to be awesome, and we're going to use them to advertise and get things in the show. So uh, the website is nights.fm. has all of our stuff on it. Yeah, go go check them out. Uh, also, we've done a crossover episode, too, which is uh, really fun. We want to go back into uh, their vault and check that out. So, man, yeah, I'm so- I still I still will say just randomly, I'll say, hop in, Candyman. Like, I don't know why. I just say that now because you said that during the <laughs> during the recording episode. <laughs> That we, or the crow episode we did. So that's just like a saying of mine now. Well, so hey, you know what? You find where if uh, you guys put out merchandise and you want to make that a T-shirt, you have my blessing. Uh, I appreciate that. All right. Cole, it was awesome having you on the show. I missed uh, being able to see you face-to-face. So this was awesome to have you on tonight, man. Yeah, man, I'm definitely down. If you ever want to do more wrestling and, you know, my, my input's kind of slanted because I'm pretty biased of the things that I like, but – I'm always willing to hop on and be honest and talk wrestling. Uh, hey, you know what? I don't give a fuck. Maybe if anything, uh, Lucas has his, uh, he's very uh, stuck in his ways too. If anything, might lead to the first ever Couch Potato Podcast cage match. So, Oh, I'm down. All <laughs> right. All right, man. Uh, thanks so much for coming on. And uh, gang, we will talk at you guys later on. And that's going to wrap up today's episode. If you like what you heard, be so kind as to leave us a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. And be sure to tell all your friends so they can tell their friends, and they can tell their friends, and they can tell their friends, and so on, and so on. Uh, Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter to get all the latest show updates. And we will see you guys next Tuesday for a brand new episode of the Couch Potato Podcast.